Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Britton. And I'm... Oh, guys, we finally made it. Two, 200 episodes. It's an incredible feat. Correct. Uh, what, what terrible, terrible nightmare have we, have we thrown at ourselves to witness? Yeah, we're watching, uh, or we have watched, unfortunately, um, Star Wars Episode Nine. A Rise of Skywalker story. <laughs> I do feel like we should have potentially done a commentary for this. You know, <laughs> we could have. Wow. Um, much like Rise of Skywalker, we planned this all from the beginning. This is, this is where <laughs> yes. we envisioned us landing for a yep. episode. Yes, this is the epic ending of the saga that is Here Come the Sequels. We're not actually ending the show, but <laughs> which, much like Rise of Skywalker, is also yeah, much not like Star Wars. We're not actually the Star- saga. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna do a spinoff called the Brittalorian, where I go on a bunch of massive <laughs> adventures. That's very good. Uh, what are what are the scores? What what? Okay, I'll 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 get that out of the way. Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, directed by J.J. Abrams from 2019. It has a 51% critic score and an 86% audience score. Oh, stop. Take <laughs> that, Ryan Johnson! <laughs> I mean, I put about as much stock in Rotten Tomatoes as I do in, I don't know, the Dow Jones. Tomato stock? <laughs> but yeah, thank you. I was trying to get there, but I, I don't know about cooking. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's the that's thing. Just, like, the... the I think the critic score is fine to take into consideration. The audience score is just whatever. Yeah. No, well, because they've sure. they've had. I mean, since like Last Jedi came out, <clears throat> they've continuously tried to figure out how to make it not be flooded by bots. Right. I don't think Last Jedi was like the first one to get hit by that, but like the the audience score, much like IMDb, is notorious for just getting tanked. And I think they've tried to make it like more verified now, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a thing where it's like you have to submit a picture of you with. The the ticket that, that you used to get into the theater <laughs> and or something like that? And today's newspaper. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait, this is from 1865. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Great this movie Scott. has been dead all along. Uh, yeah, it's a movie. Um, yeah, it's a dumb movie. <laughs> uh, the, sorry, sorry, sorry. The I think before we really get into like best and worst things and all kind of breaking down because i'm sure we we have many many things to discuss um i feel like it should be mentioned that while this this franchise specifically this trilogy has come under a lot of heat for like oh they should have given it all to ryan johnson or they should have given it all to jj abrams and they were making them respond back and forth um all of which i would argue is is true but i think that in particular, it's interesting how both Abrams and Johnson have gotten like very heavy focus in terms of, oh, this is look at this horrible or great movie they did, and it's like, sure. I, especially after seeing this, I don't, I have no idea, at least with this movie, um, how much of it was actually any sort of directorial vision versus yeah. studio whatever. Um, Right, which well, especially after you you look at the timeline and mm. I think J.J. Abrams had just about two years to make this movie. Yeah, once he was he was brought back on board, and Ryan Johnson had about two years to make Last Jedi. Um, well, 
that that's a little different because he was writing the script while they were making Force Awakens, sure. so he had a little bit more time. Sure. I I also feel like, and this is definitely something we'll get into. It I feel like there was a lot more. We have to make we have to atone for what the internet has told right. us our sins. Yeah, with right. this movie, whereas Last Jedi was like, okay, and now let's go on to the next chapter. So Ryan, take us there. And this was like, no more. Uh, uh, oh boy. The internet is scary. Yeah, For- Force Awakens and Last Jedi, I think, both feel fairly cohesive. Yeah. This one feels very, very patched together and cynical, and I think a lot of what we talk about will be uh, coming up <laughs> um, yeah. in that tone. That actually segues directly into my best and worst things, <laughs> if Do we want to start with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, my my worst thing is just the how this movie feels so unintentional and i don't mean like an accident but i mean it just it doesn't feel like there's a lot of drive behind it um however anybody feels about force awakens and last jedi and i understand the ways everybody feels about them and both i i like both of those movies i was gonna say can can we pause real quick because britain you were not on either of those episodes that we did for the podcast quickly how do you feel about them um, I, I like them both. It's been a long time since it's been a while since I've seen either of them, but I like Force Awakens because it's like after a long time, somebody going here. Don't worry, we I still know we still we still get it. We still know what you like, and here you go. Here's some comfort food. And then right, uh, Last Jedi was like slapping me in the face and going, "You've enjoyed your comfort food, and now we're gonna try a whole new recipe, <laughs> and it's gonna be weird at first, but it's actually really good and good for you." Um, so yeah, I like them both because I think they're they're very different, and that's uh, yeah, I, I like both of those movies. Um, it's I'm I, I'm too far apart from any of the new movies to be able to say like what's been definitively my favorite. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're both strong, and I also think that both of those movies very much feel like the vision of J.J. Abrams slash the vision of yeah. Ryan Johnson, where I feel like the studio said like, hey, we really trust you and want to see what you have, especially Rise of Skywalker, which takes a or excuse me, especially Last <laughs> Jedi which takes a lot of risks and does a lot yes. of very bold things um, in that that movie is essentially looking a lot of fans in the eye and saying, you don't like this. You like what you remember feeling when you were seven yeah. and you have to, you have to understand that that's beautiful, but you need to embrace things for what they are now and let that, and, and even if you don't like it, you need to let it exist. Sure. And, and I, I really, really enjoyed that and, and appreciate that and respect that. And this movie feels so uh, – just finish it. Just finish it. I don't know. I don't yep. know. I don't know. And, <laughs> and it I, better have some Endgame-esque moments. Do it. Like, honestly, um, though. Well, and, and I think that the pre- – and even yeah. the, the, the prequels, which I think are, are bad movies in that they're badly written and just badly put together, there's a sense of cohesion through all three movies. Where And obviously yep. George Lucas had a lot more. He, it was just him doing his thing. But at least all three of those movies felt like, well, yeah, I mean – I don't like them, but they're all connected and they're 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 all like moving forward in the same direction. They have this. genuine themes, uh, yeah, for whatever exactly. that's worth. And this one just feels so, I don't know, just loose and like I don't know, just finish it. We just have to finish it and try not to make people angry. And we're just gonna force a lot of things yeah. that we that we think people want, even though we're really just paying attention to the loudest voices and not like the truest. I guess I don't yeah. know. I uh, right. I think with. <clears throat> Last Jedi, I saw a lot of people saying things like, well, you know, the prequels are bad, but at least blah, blah, blah. 
um, talking about why they didn't like The Last Jedi. And we did a podcast on that. You can go back and listen to it. 150th episode? 100th episode? I don't remember. 100th episode, I believe. Fascinating. Um, we, we planned it perfectly. We planned uh, it perfectly. 200! <laughs> uh, basically, I saw that complaint a lot, and we talked about in our podcast. There's it's It's more to it than that, I think, in terms of just did you like it because you like what they did with Luke, for example. Right. We go into it, go listen to the episode, have fun. But um, this movie very much, when I watched it, made me realize, oh, that's how they were feeling <laughs> about the prequels <laughs> being like, well, you know, were they <laughs> that bad? Because I, and, and I, I have seen plenty of movies where I have disagreed or not been, been in sync with the movie's vision, but at least, like... When at least a movie can have a vision, and I feel like uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi both have a vision, and they have an intention, and they go for it. And also, both movies like start out with a beginning and take you through <laughs> and tell you a story. And this movie, you know, there's I, a structure. There's a structure to the story. Usually, there's a structure preferable. and a sense of pace. Yeah, and like a sense of like momentum, and I have. I can't off the top of my head think of another movie that literally it took one written sentence for me to go, oh, this, I don't think I'm going to like this. <laughs> Which in this movie, when the phrase, the dead speak, appeared, I went, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, now that said, uh, because I'm going to have a lot of criticisms, but I do want to be nice because uh, there are things I like. And my best thing I'm going to say is the cast. I think that mm -hmm. yep. this trilogy has throughout all three movies and all the spinoffs assembled a ton of really, really talented actors. Um, just about everybody in this movie is nerfed. Like nobody really gets to like, yep. be their, Oh, we'll, their, we'll, we'll their get there. <laughs> we'll no, we'll yeah. get there. I, I, I remember the good old days when Tyler and I would break down a movie. We truly hated like, like X-Men, the last stand or Spider-Man three. And we would go character by character to point sure. out how they were ruined. Mm hmm. We're right. going to do that and again. <laughs> and I think that particular highlights for me, I think Oscar Isaac was was a lot of fun in this. Also, yeah. let's go ahead and just plant this flag. Poe Dameron is Oscar Isaac's sexiest movie role. <laughs> He's are, a, he, are you sure? I'm thinking Apocalypse. Um, I well, really... I guess it, you know, I would really argue Annihilation. I don't know what... <laughs> okay, actually, because <I> <laughs> of Annihilation, you get kind of a little column A, a good, good boy and bad boy. Oh my god! Um, but I think he's honestly like he's such a hunk in this movie, and he's he's funny <laughs> and he's really good. And I think that Anthony Daniels gets some good moments, and you've got like uh, John Boyega, who I just like a lot. Again, no one sure. is treated as well as they should be, but both. But like, I, I continue like that was one of the things getting me through the movie is like I like that actor, I like that actor, and maybe uh, the most under you know utilized performer in the whole movie is the chimp blacksmith who fixes kylo ren's helmet right there's literally and he's not even like a crazy alien who looks like a chimp he's literally a chimp with a with like a and weird mask to be to be clear we're talking about babu freak babu freak no no no, no this no, is no. No, Bob, Bob talking Frick. about it's 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 literally like a five yeah. second scene of 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 this alien fixing kylo ren's helmet okay right but he's and sure. he's a chimp. Like he literally. <laughs> this movie moves so fast. I, of of course you would you could have missed it. Like because no, I, I honestly thought it was like Caesar from the Planet of the Apes. 
uh, new movies. Like <laughs> that, he is that was the Andy Circus cameo because they killed him off <laughs> yeah. in the last movie. <laughs> no, Bob Babu Frick is also I, I a, a interesting creature. Um, but I do also want to say uh, there are some horrific uh, visions in this movie. One of which is a young Akbar style alien who's got like really big bugged out eyes which so does akbar but this one's like cartoonish and it just is a really just unsettling looking creature who i learned is voiced by chris terrio <laughs> and uh with that i'm gonna take the podcast ball and i'm gonna pass it to alex <laughs> well thank god you addressed chris terrio before i did <laughs> anyways um you know, honestly, I was considering because with Blade Trinity, I made the joke of like this movie is so terrible. I'm going to do three worst things. I considered doing nine worst things, <laughs> and then like two or three bonuses for spinoffs. But I'll just stick with 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 two. I've got okay. two central things that I think are at the heart of this movie that just don't work on their face. Um, the big ones bringing Palpatine back. Oh yeah. Um, yep. I think that immediately just breaks the movie. It breaks what this trilogy is trying to go for, the tra trajectory it was on, the trajectory that a lot of the characters were on, and it just immediately says, guys, we're afraid of trying new things, so let's just bring back the last bad guy and completely yeah. neuter yeah. Kylo Ren in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's just a terrible um, decision. And and it's basically just Ian McDermott. I mean, he's fine, but like it's just yeah. them giving him. I don't think he has much like original dialogue in this yeah. movie. It felt like most of it was just from the other movies. Yeah, um, I think, and that's a, a big thing. Again, going back to Last Jedi criticism, a lot of people look at this movie. And they're like, oh well, you know, what were they gonna do? How how could they possibly have saved whatever happened at the end of Last Jedi? But Last Jedi leaves the universe on a very open note. Like, I know a lot of people watched that movie and were like, oh, well, wh where are they going to go next? You know, I don't feel like I'm in as invested in what they're going to do next. And it's like, well, if you have a good movie to follow up on that, yeah, you can you can pull that into, okay, okay we've we picked up the plot threads that are left in terms of the characters and where they're going, and we're moving forward with that. But Kylo the thing Ren is, has, has become the ultimate bad guy in the universe, and he's just like this yeah. unstable prick. I want to see that movie. Right, Yeah. exactly. And Last Jedi very much basically did everything in its power to prevent this movie from happening because it specifically killed off the big bad and was like, hey, we've already done the thing that happens in Return of the Jedi in this movie. So now... Right. You've got you basically got Darth Vader and Luke left, and yeah. they have to figure out what their relationship is. And like Darth Vader is in a position where he can just continue taking over the galaxy. And what's that like? What what's it like if he hasn't yet turned over to the, the, the light side? You know, the movie completely blows open that structure. And then this movie is like, uh, we'll bring back Palpatine. Like this, it would have been better if it was just some rando, <laughs> like just yeah, some right. new guy was like, I was behind Snoke. What if it was Babu Frick, okay? Sure. What if it was Babu <laughs> Frick? And, like, just anything but but this. Like, it, if if Palpatine yeah. didn't come back in this movie, I could understand people arguing, oh, well, it was very hard to follow up on Last Jedi. I would get that. But the fact that this is where their brain went after that movie is right. just insane. I don't, I don't get it. And it really, really breaks the movie because it completely... The movie now becomes completely centered around the fact that he's back. And we have to make these characters who have no interaction with him and we haven't had any build-up with him 
care. And it's maybe not even the Palpatine we saw in the other sure. movies because it's a clone or something. Oh my like, gosh. I remember um, Dominic Moynihan has that line where he's like, some evil Sith technology cloning or something. I'm like, they were cloning back during the Clone Wars. Like, that was a... Yeah. That seemed pretty standard. Mm-hmm. But, anyways. um, Yeah, I, I think it, it just kind of ruins... It basically just ruins everything. Like, Kylo Ren gets ruined because of it, and then they have to force him to have a, a Darth Vader uh, uh, come-to-Jesus moment um, yeah. <laughs> th- yeah. for the movie. And then, of course, they have the god-awful twist with Rey, where it's like, remember yeah. how your parents sold you for drinking money? Well, they were actually related to Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> You're so, Rey uh, Palpatine. <laughs> may, may, may I do a quick dive in on this one? Oh, oh, t- t- please take it away. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it, yes, because one of the great things about Last Jedi was that what many people took as an anticlimax with Rey, I took as, hey, you don't have to come from somewhere amazing to be a hero. Right. You know, sick, sick Parvis Magna, you, you don't have to be a part of a specific bloodline to be a great person. And that's a, a very lovely moving thing that also is like, hey, Star Wars doesn't have to only be about this one family or this one little group of people, like... She she can just be Ray and have this triumphant return, and and this movie just completely uh, uh, cuts its legs out like Darth Maul. But the other thing <laughs> that this movie does posit is that this means Palpatine did have sex. Yes. So, and this also raises questions about like when did he yes. have the children, and then at what point was there a part in the prequel where he was like. Okay, and then his like space phone buzzes, and he's like, "Ooh, hang on for a minute." And I then he had to go off and like do it. Like it's just, I, I it's think so that's nasty. that's the other issue that this raises when they decide to do this. It's right. okay. This is already dumb on its face, and it ruins a lot of characters and thematically what these movies were trying to go for and what this trilogy was going for. But then you throw in J.J. Abrams' mystery box methodology in terms of storytelling, and it's like, you're not going to even bother to explain any of this, yeah. are you? And then he just does Oh, yeah. It. Oh, the fact that, that Poe literally says, the Emperor's back somehow, and they never <laughs> investigate Yeah. <laughs> just like, okay, well, here we well, are. Even it's just just weirder things, like like the, the opening crawl, where it's like Emperor Palpatine has, has sent out this message across the galaxy. Um and it's like apparently you had to play Fortnite to go listen to what the actual message yes. was. <laughs> oh my god! This is a thing that actually happened. Yes. Uh. So who do you think? Do you think that who do you think made the first move, Palpatine or the lady? I thought you were going to say who made the first move, Palpatine or Fortnite? Or <laughs> Fortnite? <laughs> um, yeah, it's just gross. Although I will say, I do have when we see Ray's parents in the flashback. Of course, Ray is having to duel between the light side and the dark side. Her parents were an officer from Dunkirk and Villanelle from Killing Eve. Of course, she's got the light of and the course. dark in her. <laughs> That's some deep cuts. It, it, I'm just saying it adds up and it's, yeah, Sheev. Uh, what's your <laughs> other worst thing, Alex? <laughs> um, the other worst thing is how Leia is utilized. Um, yeah, true. And I know it's similar to Paul Walker, except I think they handled it a lot better in that because they actually realized, oh, we've got enough footage that we can work with this. This is, oh, God, we've got a few lines of dialogue from her that we didn't use in the other movies. Can we just kind of sprinkle them in and maybe something will happen? 
Um, I yeah. think it's borderline tasteless how she's handled, and I really disliked it. Like, I, I, after seeing this movie, and maybe it is one of those situations where you kind of have to see, do the experiment to see what sure. what would have ended up being the best option. Mm. If they had killed her off in between movies and they started this with a funeral, I would have been fine with that. Because uh, really, then yeah. you start yeah. to raise the stakes of, well, now the old guard is completely gone – how do we, as this new band of uh, of characters, how do we defeat this ultimate evil and save the galaxy without the help of everyone yeah. that came before us? <clears throat> I, how, do, how do we really stand up on our own? I 100% agree, and I was very surprised that was not where they went with that to begin with. Yeah. Because I think yeah. that just makes it so much more, a, like you said, tasteful, but then... <sighs> It also just starts the audience off on the right note to be like, hey, here's a, a touching yeah. tribute to uh, Carrie Fisher and, you know, kind of worked into the universe of the movie. The characters are mourning her and celebrating her. And then right. we can kind of go on from there. And then, yeah, from at that point now, the plot, especially because, I mean, in, in universe, it's, okay, this is Kylo Ren's mother. What does that mean for him? How does this all shake out? Uh, how does this affect the characters? Like, you can springboard off of that in a way that is still very just nice for the audience to immediately be like okay they're addressing this they're very sweet about it they've they've given us some time to think about it and and celebrate her and then we can kind of springboard off into what's supposed to be a a great capping to this trilogy or nonology i don't know (laughs) i i the one of the main problems is this movie is is at at the same time that it's like shying away from trying to do anything new, it's trying to do too much. It's just yeah. this weird yeah. contradiction, and I, I guess we'll get into that. But but I, oh, I sorry, really just, real, real, just... Uh, real quick. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Uh, can you imagine if this movie had opened with that funeral and that was how they brought in Lando, and if yeah. like, and if like Lando and like three PO, and I don't know if there's any people from the pre- other movies that are like they're the ones like Chewie or like. Yeah giving eulogies or something like can you imagine this movie started with like lando calrissian coming back like eulogizing princess leia like that would be so beautiful um and yeah yeah i i I completely agree the thing that really bothered me is that when kylo ren dies that's how leia dies and that was way too uh that seemed very tasteless in the similarities to carrie fisher and uh uh, Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. That like the the that that was all a little too I don't know. I, I mean, I, that 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 felt uncool to me. In fairness, they 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 had sign-offs from Carrie Fisher's family like Billy Lord is in the movie yeah. and she seemed right, to be right. okay with with how it was handled. I I'm just speaking for myself. I did not care for it. And even even beyond that, they have to CGI Carrie Fisher's face into scenes and and like her hair and yeah. everything is digital and the editing is just atrocious not not yeah. just like scene to scene in this movie cuz we'll get to that but just the scenes where she's utilized like Rail come up to her Ray says a line Carrie Fisher says some random line that maybe kind of fits the yeah. context of the conversation. Like it's it's very clear that that these scenes, her dialogue was was written for another movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is just kind of crammed in here. And like that final scene where she she does sacrifice herself just to reach across the force and talk to Ben before she dies, which I, I don't even know if any of that makes sense. 
Um, like she's just all in shadow because you know Carrie Fisher's. They didn't have the footage yeah, to yeah. help with that. Yeah, but it, it like it all just falls apart. Um, it just doesn't work. It it yeah. really is the kind of thing where they should have they should have seen that been like we're rushing ahead with this uh, mediocre to terrible movie. Um, let's have you know she she's passed. Let's go ahead and say okay you know we we need some time to restructure this movie. Let's take another year. Let's hold off on production. Let's actually try to like do this right and account for the fact that she's passed, so that we can have right. something that's kind of a tribute to her, as well as a movie that actually works and that Abrams and company have time to finish or make something. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's fascinating and bad. <laughs> um. What, did you say your best thing? No. Um. I want to be slightly fair to the movie. I'm going to give this one two best things. Oh. One of which is a backhanded compliment. (laughs) So maybe one and a half? (laughs) Um, Actually, both are kind of backhanded compliments. Um, (laughs) This movie really helped me to recognize how important The Last Jedi was and just what I liked about that movie. Sure. Um I, I kind of wish they'd just given the trilogy to Ryan Johnson and called it a day. Just be like, here you go. Just mm-hmm. just do it. Because um, <laughs> clearly, I, I think he is he has very interesting ideas and he has a lot going on in his mind about what, what Star Wars should be. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of how it should progress um, instead yeah. of just regress, which is what this movie does. Um, yeah, it was just... And it's it's interesting because I'll go ahead and bring up the Colin Trevorrow stuff because apparently now yeah. the, what his version or, or whatever his last draft the script was leaked and 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 you can go out there and look at the story points and it does a lot more thema- the continuity works a lot better with Last Jedi and it feels like it's trying to carry those ideas forward. Um, doesn't do Palpatine. Finn mm-hmm. actually gets stuff to do. <laughs> like it's it's a lot more. It works a lot better. Um, who knows if it would have made a better movie? Yeah, I mean, I it... saw Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> so I mean, I know he didn't direct that movie, but he wrote the script. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, um, um, I think is this the same script that Jenny Nicholson had a breakdown, a long breakdown I think video. So. Because um, I have watched that where she kind of goes through the main plot points and reads off some of the dialogue. It's probably not much better of a movie, but I think it's a movie that respects where it is in the uh, franchise and like what it's following up a lot more. Right. So that it actually feels like, oh, this is supposed to be an end to these characters as opposed to just we've completely lost the plot and are just shoehorning something in here. Right. It sounds like it's kind of an average movie as opposed to it's just a mess. Yeah. So take that as you will. Yeah. Um, my other best thing is going to be specifically Adam Driver's performance. Um, he has been carrying this franchise <laughs> so hard. <laughs> and I'm just so impressed with him because the way his – I think his character probably gets done the worst out yeah. of anyone in, in these movies – um, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't immediately sense that from Adam Driver's performance. Like he is in it. Like yeah. he, he yeah. respects the material and he wants to give it his all. It, it, none of it comes off as phony from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, I, I really, 
his performance in particular across these three movies, despite him getting completely ruined in this one, like it feels like very consistent in the quality. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of my most hated tropes in, in media is the bad boy with a heart of gold. I think that that is a trope that at best is annoying and at worst is like genuinely toxic and yes. suggests to, and suggests to people like, oh, this guy who's a jerk, he's actually pretty nice. Just give him a chance or maybe you can fix him. Or, and it's something that is so often done very, very badly. And I'm not talking about like, wow, that guy, he looks like he'd be really mean, but it turns out he's a nice guy. I'm talking about like the villainous like bad boy. Like that's what Kylo Ren was. Now, obviously the exception to this would be Prince Zuko and Avatar The Last Airbender, which is a perfect redemption story. Right. Where you get a complete understanding of where this guy came from, and they also make sure that like he has full ownership of what he's done and takes full responsibility for himself, and actually take makes puts in the work to become a good person. And I would, a lot of people wanted Kylo Ren to be redeemed. I would have been really happy if this like angsty emo boy just stayed a jerk and just was a bad guy mm-hmm. through the whole movie because that to me would have been subversive. But at and the very the, least, the, that's the choice he makes at the end of Last Jedi. He yeah. says, "I, I refuse to change." I don't think people realize when he's the one that's going. No, the Jedi, the Sith, everything needs to die. Like burn it, kill it. Um, he's the bad guy. He's the one that's in the yeah. wrong. Yeah. So everybody Absolutely. going like, obviously, Last Jedi is about progressing. It is about moving forward. But people just. I feel like the, the, the internet has skewed what The Last Jedi is trying to say because everybody just latches on to the kill the past if you have mm-hmm. to. Uh-huh. And the bad guy is is the one saying that. Well, yeah, <laughs> and the entire movie is about Kylo Ren being like, hey, Ray, burn it all and join me. And Ray being like, well, it's, you know, not all of it is good, but we can salvage something from this, and we can turn this into something better, and, and we can create a new way of thinking. Don't don't th- throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Um, so, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, and all of that said, if this trilogy was really dedicated to Kylo Ren being a good guy in the end, there is a way, I don't know how exactly, how exactly to do that, but there is a way for him to have an arc and a transformation and Adam, Adam driver has the ability to play that. But this movie is just a light switch. It just goes, uh, he's good now yeah. because he is. And also here are the two of them kissing because we know the internet wants that, but we're not actually going to think about whether or not that makes any sense. Yeah. And it's so, it, it, again, I think Kylo Ren is just like a very, can be perceived as a very toxic character. Cause he does a ton of terrible things. And there's one day it was like more jarring to me than the Steve transformation in the first season of, Stranger Things, when Steve is suddenly just like, <laughs> I'm not gonna be a complete swear word anymore. Like, I'm, I'm just not gonna be a monster. And then we're, everyone was like, that's okay, you have big hair, so we like this about, we'll totally accept you because you're cute, and I, I don't like that character. So, yeah, that's basically my whole spiel about uh, Kyle Katarn. Uh, Tyler, what, what you got? Yeah, um, I think my best thing kind of leaning into that <clears throat> is actually, this is very a very specific through line in the movie that I picked up on that I did enjoy, is the stuff with Kylo Ren and Rey going through uh, their various sort of side flashes. Not the um, 
ending because I do agree that the like redemption stuff and them kissing makes no sense, and I don't think that them the way the Palpatine encounter is handled that is also silly. But I really like the scenes where they are. Uh, I don't even know what you call it. Force projecting, I guess, into each other's worlds. Yes. Um, that I whole scene. I was going to say that that feels like one of the few places where they're actually willing to acknowledge that the last Jedi happened. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's a cool thing. Let's use it yeah. and expand uh, upon um, it. Quick clarification. That whole scene, uh-huh. uh, was, was that something in The Last Jedi? Was that something that Rey and Kylo Ren could do? Or is that something like, was that a yeah. trick that Snoke was doing? Well, Snoke well, connected them via the Force, and I guess the connection stayed open. Snoke gotcha. could have been lying about everything and just been like, I sure. don't know what any of this does. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, so the idea from Last Jedi is that they are starting to like see visions of each other in different places. Um, yes. Culminating in at, at one point where they're about to clasp hands across the galaxy, I guess. Um, and then in this movie, you get more of that where Specifically, there's one scene where they're on Kajimi, uh, <laughs> and Ray is in uh, the Star Destroyer, and Kylo Ren is on the ground, and they see each other and start having this like lightsaber fight yep. that ends in, or at at one point, Ray cuts a bag of like beans that spill out onto the floor of the Star Destroyer, and then she hits the or cuts through the pillar of the base that's holding Darth Vader's mask and that falls onto yep. Kajimi um, and that's how Kylo Ren figures out where they are. That's a really cool little sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very well shot too. The, yes. the, the, the transitions between the two locations are seamless. Yes. It's a, it's very neat and there's a few more things like that. Um, there's the bit where she puts the lightsaber behind her head to hand it to Kylo Ren at the end. I do like that. And then um, Kylo Ren does his little shrug that everybody yeah. has fallen in love with and gifts uh-huh. everywhere. <laughs> um... And so there's there's a few places like that. Uh, the, I remember it, it happens early in the movie when she's training, and that was kind of jarring and, and didn't really seem feel like, to me, it added much. Um, <clears throat> but they, they bring it up a few times throughout the movie. It builds up to that lightsaber handoff. I think that's all pretty neat. I think that's a fun way of expanding on the Force powers. Um, that particular sequence is really, really well done. So uh, there's a couple of creative things in this movie that I did enjoy. Um... My worst thing, I'm going to kind of say the, not the flip side, but the the unsaid side of yours, Alex, about Palpatine being the villain. Yeah. More specifically, that Kylo Ren is not the villain. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, yeah, like his, it's so much more interesting if you take what Last Jedi gives you and is and say, okay, well, now we've got Kylo Ren. He's the big bad. There's no big villain who can step in the way and make Kylo Ren have some sort of sacrifice play to suddenly become redeemed like he does in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you've got to figure out, okay, is Ray going to redeem Kylo Ren? Is she going to kill him? What's going to happen with this? Because <clears throat> now there's nobody standing in his way and the, she's got to try to, you know, believe in the force maybe, or what, what have you to convince him to, to give this up. And that's the only way you can resolve this conflict is either he decides of his own volition, not because some external force is pushing on him to make a choice like Darth Vader does in Return of the Jedi. Um, he's got to decide of his own volition for some reason that I'm going to redeem myself or Ray has to kill him or he kills Ray, I guess. <laughs> Basically, like 
you've got this relationship set up that is something that you don't we haven't really gotten in Star Wars. Um I mean the closest thing would probably be Anakin and Obi-Wan in the mm. prequels. And I think if they taken more of that DNA, I think this could have been something really interesting. Uh, right. But obviously then he's there's even still the influence of Palpatine, so that's a whole other thing. Point is, I think that the fact that the movie does not center around that and immediately just pivots to, actually, we're going to care about Palpatine, who has this big army. I don't know where it came from. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Palpatine's behind it all. It's fine. He's been in the shadows from the beginning. Uh, and we're going to make and we're going to make Kylo Ren the Darth Vader proxy for the movie because we need a redemption story. And then Ray, because we're going to make her Palpatine's granddaughter, we're then going to give her the exact same scenario that Luke faced yes. in Return of the Jedi. Yep. Why are you doing this? Why are you backtracking? And it doesn't work at all because we haven't spent any of this trilogy setting up this dynamic. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's nonsense. Um <laughs> Why does Ray have this faux arc about embracing the dark side when that's not what this trilogy has yeah. been about? This this feel like her, the direction they take her feels so rushed and just counterintuitive, and I guess you could argue there's a couple of touches that hinted that, like when she's in fights and when she's in action scenes, she seems a bit more aggressive. She yells a bit, um, and then Luke has that whole thing of like, oh, you you went straight to the dark yeah. in Last Jedi, which I had kind of I, I think I noted in the podcast. I wish they explored that a bit more in that movie. Yeah. But I didn't mean <laughs> to do this. <laughs> well, because this is not even exploring her going to the dark side. It's it's right. There's a couple of moments. Um, for the, first of all, uh, I, and I guess we can just kind of idle into the actual movie um, <clears throat> in the meat of it. There's the first scene she has with Poe. Just immediately assumes they have this kind of bickering relationship. Um, well, and... my my problem with that is more so. <laughs> I thought that was establishing what the the the, the trio like w what the banter was going to be like, mm -hmm. and like that's what they're gonna. Ha that's the arc of the friendship throughout the movie. Is oh, we're now in a situation because it's taken three movies for all three of these characters to get together. Sure, which is annoying. Now the arc is now we're going to have to truly work together as a team. Yeah, right. and that um, seems to be what that opening is hinting at, and then it's well, fine. And that's what I was going to say is there's a fight because Poe is upset that Ray is still training on whatever the planet is, as opposed to going off to do helping them with fighting and stuff. Right. Um, and there's not really uh, any sort of follow up on that. I no. guess you could argue that later Ray is more impulsive maybe because of this. But again, they keep trying to kind of play with this idea of her maybe going to the dark side. Like this stuff where she accidentally maybe kills Chewie, but then she doesn't. And that's yeah. resolved in 10 minutes. Um, and there's is maybe the most annoying editing that I noticed for the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, and they constantly do stuff like that where it's like, oh, is she going to be maybe the dark side? Is she going to be tempted by the emperor to change, to turn to his side? It's like, not really. <laughs> Like that's that's the movie's answer. There's no there's no real bit <laughs> yeah. where you're feel. I mean, like in in Return of the Jedi, there's the entire thing about how she or she how Luke has to that Mary Sue Luke has to uh, you know basically throw away his weapon and say, "I'm not going to fight you. I'm not strong enough. I I'm not going to join you. Kill me if you have to, but I'm not going to fight you. And I'm trusting in Darth Vader to you know be the one to." Uh, step in and, and save me. Right, there, there, trusting there's the extra in his element. Light. There's the extra element of we know what Luke is trying to do in that scene. Yeah, 
but you get to this and she's confronting Palpatine and he's like, okay, you, I, you, you, have, you have two options. First option, you don't kill me. I don't enter your body with the force. Yeah. <laughs> Granddaughter. But all, your, <laughs> but all of your friends above are going to die. Option yeah. two, you kill me. I enter your body through the force. <laughs> and then I go, hey, continue killing them yeah. up there. Like, it's not a choice. She's blackmailed. And I don't want to make weird connections to Batman versus Superman because Chris Terrio wrote both of them. <laughs> but it's the same exact thing where it's like you don't. The conflict between Batman and Superman should not hinge on Superman as being blackmailed. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just like this should not hinge on and- Ray is basically being blackmailed and she has no actual choice that she can make. And not only does she not have a choice, the movie then gives her the option that lets her win. There's no... She like, doesn't what? earn it. Yeah, where, where were all the old Jedi? Where was Mace Windu when uh, <laughs> Luke was confronting the Emperor on the Death Star? Sure. Like, wh- wh- right. Where were the other Jedi? Th- why does Rey get Jedi now? Also, yeah. Rey doesn't know any of these people except for right. Luke. What is, <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I, I was really... When, when I realized what was happening there, I was really hoping you would get, like... You hear the Obi-Wans and you hear Mace Windu and then you'd mm-hmm. be like, And it's me, Kiadi Mundi! And me, <laughs> Kit Fisto! Plo Koon's my name, and just, like, all of the, like, ancillary Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. Um, they do when, have the, an... Some fan made an edit online where all of their ghosts, like, surround her as she's taking mm-hmm. out the Emperor. Huh. Which, the whole thing's still dumb, but yeah. I think that's better than just hearing their voices. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, there's an interesting problem, too, where this movie base puts her in the position of, like, hey, Ray, you've killed... A lot of people. A lot of people who we are now revealing to have been child soldiers who were abducted and indoctrinated. But right. killing the Emperor? That might just be wrong. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like if you... You're were... embracing your hate if you killed this monster. Was, Why don't you kind... instead enable the Emperor to kill himself? That's okay. <laughs> right. It's, it's, honestly, though, it's kind of like if you killed a bunch of Nazis and then found Hitler and went, you know, all those people that you, you know, bought out and blackmailed and brainwashed into serving you, I can kill them. They're nobodies. But you who's behind all this, well, that just wouldn't be right. And it's <laughs> against so, the force. It's, it's really messed up. Like, especially when they, they make the concerted effort in this movie to humanize the, the faceless bad guys yeah, that it's right. like, oh, they were actually children who were captured, and we don't well, see a lot of their faces, and the only two faces we see are black people. So, well, it's I like... mean, this problem extends back to Force Awakens, right? I, I that's that's a problem in that movie where where Finn is is like we very quickly realize, oh, stormtroopers, they're actually people and they have yeah. flaws, and yeah. and he's living with some PTSD. Five yeah. minutes later, him and Poe are like, yeah, we're blowing up all these other stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, aren't we yeah. buddies now? And it's like, fun scene, but you're killing your friends, I, uh, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, th- th- that is a, a challenging thing. And I think this movie just really, also really, like, glosses over that. And, right. um, and I think, yeah, it's just, it's messy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and also, talking about that kind of, confrontation at the end it's really weird that kylo ren just gets knocked out of it 
because yeah. there's this whole thing where it's like, okay, <laughs> okay, so he's he's coming up. Ray's given him the lightsaber so he can come and fight his way through the Knights of Ren, who do nothing except fight Kylo Ren. Which yeah, is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then he's coming. Hey, up hey, to hey, me. hey, hey! They capture Chewie as well. They do stand <laughs> on a cliff and look cool for like ten seconds. Yeah, um, I'm just saying. But Kylo Ren kind of tries to get in on in on this battle confrontation thing, and then he just gets thrown to the side. Uh, and his lightsaber's there or whatever. So then, because we need yet another fake out with where either somebody seemingly dies or somebody loses their memory. Yeah, <laughs> but like the the whole trilogy has been about the fact that Ray and Kylo Ren have these opposing philosophies and they keep fighting each other and, and crashing against each other and, and what's that going to do? And yeah. then in the end, it's just like. Oh, actually, we're completely replacing him with Palpatine for this final well, final. I bit. think I think that's kind of the final nail in in what is problematic about bringing back Palpatine. It really goes back to no, this is black and white. It is literally good and evil. There's yeah. no gray area, which is what the Last Jedi was trying to explore, yeah. and yeah. what this movie could have gone gone with, where where Rey is not fully a Jedi, but she embraces a lot of their their concepts and philosophies and kylo ren isn't a sith but he embraces the dark side he embraces his anger like you can play with that but this is just like nope 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 nope. we need a a a full jedi she's wearing all white robes she is a jedi um and we need the ultimate evil representing the Mm -hmm. sith we need palpatine because kylo ren does not fulfill that that role and the only way they could have done i i complain about the fact that they knocked kylo ren out but the thing is, the way they've set this up, the only way that uh, it could conclude if Kylo Ren was there is to, again, have Kylo Ren help her kill Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Unless it was the kind of thing where where maybe... I think the only interesting thing you could have done is flip it so that he actually sides with Palpatine and then tries to fight her, and somehow she beats them both. I don't know. That's still very difficult to pull off. Like, again, the fact that you've recreated a supervillain to be in the middle of, of these two characters just completely yeah. sets us back to either doing Return of the Jedi or The Last Jedi all over again. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, well, okay, <laughs> cool. Did I y'all did catch enjoy... this? Mm-hmm. I-, I was just going to say, did y'all catch... So Palpatine's opening, he's like, Kylo Ren, join me, I'll give you all yep. this power if you kill Rey. And right. that's the goal. Kill Rey. Right. And well, does he, he say kill the or end, does he say bring her to me? He says kill her at he the beginning kill, of the okay. movie. That is the goal that, that Kylo Ren is given. Then you get to the end of the movie and Ray shows up and he's like, I never wanted you to kill you. I wanted you here all along. And I'm like, what are you doing? What am I, um, why am I here? Why did I pay money for this? The scene where the rebellion characters are trying to contend with the fact that Palpatine is back is uh. so bizarre because no one has any idea what Palpatine is except right. Leia. And Leia is immediately like, ah, he's been in the shadows from the beginning. He's behind it all. And it's like, what? Why? How do you know? What? What did he do? How, no, no, did no, he Tyler, send Tyler. Snoke to do this? Tyler, then... you're, you're forgetting. You're forgetting two important things. Number one, we saw a bunch of Snokes in a tank. It's fine. Just, just yes. don't worry about it. Palpy created Snoke. It's fine. Just don't don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Number two, Mass Kanata's been there from the beginning. You just didn't see her. She knows sure. the Force. Sure. Well, she, and she's here to give some exposition. Did Palpatine would... want Vader to throw him in the lightning well? Is that? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Also, well, just the, the but, pure but I think stupidity. at that point, though, 
I think at that point, didn't Pal- wasn't supposedly Palpatine supposed to have sent out like a broadcast, like a, like, like how, kind of like how you two made us all have their album a while sure. ago. Yeah. Didn't he just do that to everybody? So wouldn't they? I, maybe his maybe his message was like, "Hey everybody, uh, my name's Sheev. You don't know me. Let me tell you a little bit about me. Um, <laughs> I've had sex at least once. Me. You don't know me, but your grandparents hate me." <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that confused me because I. Because the opening crawl is like Palpatine has sent out this broadcast. See, you're assuming, okay, the galaxy, everyone knows that Palpatine is back. Yeah. Yeah. Or I guess he never technically died. Whatever. Um, But then the the whole opening with Finn and Poe is they're receiving intel with Palpatine's message, but it also has his location Hmm. because Hux knows where he is because Hux is the spy. It doesn't make any sense. None of it (laughs) makes sense. I really like the idea of some random... Like the majority of people in the galaxy, the Star Wars galaxy, whatever it may be, are just receiving this message and, and brushing it off as spam mail. They're just like, <laughs> who is Pal- Sheev? What? Who? It, I don't know a Sheev. They cut to like, like it's it or, or the the scent from it, it's so small. It says Sheev Palpy. Like it cuts off, and people are just no, like, they're all Delete. like, hey guys, we I got an email from an Alderanian prince who says he That's needs exactly all my information. I, was... I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I like to imagine it's just like Figure and Dan and the modal nodes are playing and they get their their phones buzzed and they're like, what the oh, I'm gonna look at that later. Um two things. I I was really concerned when you talk the scene in the when all the rebels are hearing about um Palpatine being back. Because I'm like, Dominic Monaghan is already scared because he has to be back in a jungle and it did not go well for him last time he was in a jungle. <laughs> so he's all nervous. He keeps looking at the trees like, Are are you gun are you my friend? Are you my friend? Why is Dominic Monaghan in this movie? Because J.J. Abrams does cameos from stuff he's done before. I have a hot take. I have a hot take here. It's not even a cameo, though. Yeah, it is. My my hot hot take, because... um, And I think J.J. Nicholson makes a joke about this. The fact that um, both Colin Trevorrow's script and this movie explore every possible relationship with Poe, Finn, and Ray, except for Poe and Finn being yes. in love <laughs> um yeah no we'll, 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 we we I, I do want to talk about that but real quick i i, I sure. also wanted to mention there's a bit that i enjoyed when ray is fighting her sith self where her sith self just goes eh! <laughs> at her <laughs> which is very reminiscent of oh. both bilbo in philip fellowship of the ring but also sure. the velociraptor in jurassic park 3 sure <laughs> <laughs> when she suddenly gets scary teeth but yeah, let's talk um, about Poe uh, and Finn wait, wait, and the love wait, that Star Wars quick. denies. I need to explain my hot take. My hot take yes. is that Finn should have just made out with Dominic Monaghan at the end of the movie. Just I, I just, couldn't agree why more. Why not? I feel like, you know, they're not setting up any other relationships between these characters. You know, just get, give him a kiss. Or, Let him have or the... you could have Dominic Monaghan make out with Rose because, hey, we sign-lined Rose True. the internet. A little, also, a little, a little mono on Monaghan. I, I need some, I just need some Mackin. I need some Mackin between people who are not random side characters that we yes. made kiss to fulfill a checkbox. I, I, I need characters he, we aren't know. Aren't we to so do progressive? <laughs> We're so progressive. We have a scene of two women kissing that can easily be cut for foreign markets. Aren't yeah, we progressive? Yep. So, so here, here's the thing about Poe and Poe and, po and Finn. So, Poe and Finn. They they clearly <laughs> put in. Uh, they no, and I and I, they, they clearly put in Jana as part of a a oh no Finn has this love interest. What, what are you talking about? Of course it's not Poe. 
And I think this movie, there's so many ways in which this movie clearly underestimates and doesn't understand the internet because mm-hmm. they learned all the wrong lessons from the internet in terms of what they should do with Star Wars. Yep. Yep. But they also don't realize that if people on the internet want to believe that two characters are in love, nothing can stop that. Yeah. <laughs> like, the only thing more powerful than Harry Potter's mom's love is a teenager to 20-something wanting two fake people to kiss. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I promise you, nothing, nothing will, will stop people from insisting that that is, a, is canon. And that's fine. Like, I... I don't think this movie – it's bothersome that this movie felt the need to fight against it. I understand that the movie's like, that's not our vision for these characters, and that's fine. But you don't need to, like, so desperately try to prove that it's not. Like, just let people mm-hmm. think it. Let people have fun. That's okay. I, I have my own series of thoughts about those interpretations, sure. but which is a completely different podcast. But I do think that – like, I, I don't really care if those characters have gotten together or not. But it, it kind of raises these two larger things about representation where, yes, it's really great to not sensationalize homosexuality, or I should say not straight sexuality in, in mainstream movies. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the same time, you need to do more than, oh, they kiss in the background. Oh, a guy at a support meeting in Marvel talked about a male date he had. It's like, right. that's, that's good. <laughs> But you, I, I also want there to be characters at the front who are demonstratively, clearly, openly not straight. Yeah. And that would be really lovely to see. And that is – we need to normalize that as much as we need to normalize characters in the background. Yeah. And, and it's, it's – the other problem is that it raises this thing of, oh, wait, so Finn has to be with a black woman? <laughs> like, yeah. And I think yeah. that – this is something that that I, I thought about a few times in the movie where, but but also th- but also hold on, I, I feel like we need to go ahead and bring and, and point this out with this. Not only does it need to be a black woman, it needs to do the thing that everyone joked they were going to do with Finn and make her the child of Lando, which is not explicitly said in this movie, which is not explicitly said in the movie, <laughs> yeah, is implied it's, it's and is a thing that is supposed to have happened in like a deleted scene or something. Sure. Oh my gosh. Well, and 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 bring and talking of Lando. So so I, I think that this movie sits right in the middle in terms of a, a, a issue of diversity, which is on the one hand, there's several points where like the black people are just together because black people can only be with black people. But on the the other interpretation of that is I'm watching a Star Wars movie and everybody on that ship is a black person. How cool is that? That there are three. Yeah important characters who are all people of color on the millennium falcon like that's that's awesome and it's really moving to me that when they meet lando finn is the one who says mr carrosian it's an honor like that's a very cool meta moment for the the first and for a while only black guy in the galaxy to be greeted by a central figure who is a black man like that's a very cool thing so this movie has this weird like it's it's right yeah. there in in the middle of like tokenizing it, but also yeah. it's cool about it. And I think I, that's the problem that we run into when you have just straight white guys making everything is that even with the best of intentions we don't always know exactly how to do that. It so. again goes back to feeling very very cynical I think in terms of right. like right. oh we have to we have to check these boxes this is what people want to see uh not actually how do we make these characters more compelling and and kind of just grow within the universe as opposed to constantly making you think about the fact that they weren't there in the original trilogy 
Right. Yeah, it's it's doing the thing where it's just trying to please everyone by doing like every possible variation that it yeah, can, yeah. and it just ends up pleasing no one and just making us all frustrated. Yeah, and and I don't know if having the the two stormtroopers who were captured, enslaved ch- children, be black people is like really uncool or <laughs> supposed to be like empowering because. What would have there's there's a version of this movie where Finn and Janna rescue all of the stormtroopers and like mm. lead them as a part of the rebellion, which would be incredibly moving. Which, but instead, is, they ride they ride shaggy horses and kill all of them. Isn't that the Trevorrow? Yeah, script. Um, that's that is Finn's arc in that movie is yeah. like leading a stormtrooper rebellion. But also, because that's the natu- natural next step for his c- character instead of. Nothing. <laughs> Again, going yeah. back to Palpatine, because Palpatine's behind all the problems in this movie. Palpatine's um, behind it all. Palpatine's behind all the problems. Uh, we don't understand who's on his ships. Um, no. He, it, it, re- mm. he he raises all these ships from Exegol. I don't know who all the people are in his big arena on Exegol. Like, I yes. don't know who anyone is. Some of them are Sith Ghost, I guess, but, like, he raises all these people, or all these ships, and we don't know who's on the ships, because they they kind of just merged the first order ships into this big army, so that then we can just focus on the characters we do know from the first order, and so we have no idea who's manning these things. We don't know if they're zombie stormtroopers, or they, and so <laughs> like you you've got this plot about this new character who is also somebody who ran away from the first order and and deserted the stormtrooper army, but then the end of the movie we don't even know who they're fighting against. So now like. I mean, yes, they're fighting against the First Order to some extent, but there's also just a ton of, like, oh, there's all these ships in the background, and we don't know who we're fighting against, and we can't bring these themes back in. Doesn't Richard E. Grant have a line where he's like, oh, uh, having all these resources will will increase the First Order's power 10,000-fold? And I'm like, (laughs) does that include people? What what are we talking about here? Is it just that the Star Destroyers can now blow up planets? Also... Why does Palpatine need Kylo Ren? Yeah. If if the army is 10,000 times stronger than the First <laughs> Order, why does Palpatine and, call it the Final Order? When, when, why yeah. does he care about the First Order if they're that weak? And if Palpatine can, with his lightning, explode a ton of ships. <laughs> like, <laughs> now, I will say, so So this is a good segue into the, the moment that, guys, I know we were all waiting for this. Mm-hmm. When all when when that volunteer fleet showed up, and all of our favorite characters who we've come to love, like Carrie Zori. Russell, Zori Bliss, and Babu Frick, and mm-hmm. Wedge, and Tilly's are all there. I was so he, upset by that. And <laughs> Matt Parker. Here's here's what I wanted. Here's what I think they should have done for that. They they show us Carrie Russell. They sh- Babu Frick should have had his own little tiny ship. Sure. And sure. I wanted it to go on for another like ten minutes with every ancillary Star Wars character. Like I want the <laughs> the modal nodes to all be in their ship, and I want that's like that's what Jar Jar should have done. That should have been the Jar Jar cameo. He should have been trying a, a Naboo fighter. <laughs> he should have been in there. I think Salacious Crumb should have had a little he, one. He like, needs to be flying. <laughs> that would be good. He needs to be flying a Naboo fighter, and he's got Anakin's little helmet, and it doesn't fit yes. his head, and it's sitting on him, and he's like. <laughs> 
this is for Absolutely. Eddie. And then a bunch <laughs> of Ewoks. Are, racing. <laughs> a bunch of Ewoks are on like a little like Da Vinci pedal thing, and they're like, <laughs> and like Moma Nodon is there from the Cantina. Like Uncar oh. Plutt is like Jabba Uncle on the Owen sail and barge. Amparu's corpses are flying a land speeder. <laughs> like everybody, bring them all back. And then there should have been a scene where BB-8 just beat the tar out of BB-9. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. That that's one thing that that Last Jedi doesn't do, because because yeah. they do have BB Nine show up, and, and that he's kind of the one that spots all of them on their little spy yeah. mission. That's, yeah, that's, I just think I it would have been think, great uh, if, if they had just dragged all it of been the ancillary good. Star Wars characters. Yes, and suddenly they're all there. Um, I, um Alden Ehrenreich shows up. <laughs> like <laughs> they have, they have just an old Pedro Pascal flying a yes. ship. <laughs> I really like the idea of like Ghost Yoda is flying a ship. <laughs> um, I mean, I I think they should have just leaned in and had it go just insane. Captain, Phasma all of these characters, totally like. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> still, still well, with the hole in her thing. Like, and, and go to like General Grievous is jumping around. Kyle Katarn is there, and Dash Rindar, <laughs> Mara Jade, like the whole it, team. Apparently, there are a bunch of recognizable ships if you're sure. looking for them. But like, it's just like a huge nightmare of a of a visual, and I'm like, I can't tell anyone apart. I see, I, want, I see the oh, Falcon, and that's it. I want Sebulba to be there, like going Chesco, and like <laughs> flying around. And then at the end, he's like, <laughs> "That's pod racing." <laughs> But like, and and we we joke about this, but genuinely, it's a huge problem with the movie that the characters that come up are the ones that were introduced in the movie. Like, we haven't yeah. talked, we haven't seen Lando in well, now six movies, technically. I, I mean, think Solo, this is, I guess. But this might be my go to my larger problem with with this particular trilogy, mm-hmm. and it, this is what really helps sell a moment like that where the galaxy comes together to purge itself of this 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 final threat i don't know what the status quo of the galaxy is in this trilogy yeah, right at any given time the right. first movie we already talked about in our review it makes no sense there's a republic but they're secretly funding a resistance to fight the first order which may or may not just be a small terrorist group but in mm-hmm. the second movie they own the whole galaxy and then the third movie is just rebels versus empire again i don't know what's going on yeah and we keep going to all of these these planets on the outskirts like like the desert planet because we got to go to another desert planet in this universe and i'm like yeah but none of these characters really know what's going on in the rest of the galaxy like i don't really get a good feel for what like if I'm just Joe Schmo on planet <laughs> on, on random planet five in the galaxy, am I even worried about this this conflict? Yeah, it's almost like the Mandalorian is really good. Yep. <laughs> and I Correct. think, yeah, it's it's very strange. And this movie does a couple of things because it goes to the desert planet, and she like we have Ray talk to the villagers there, the the people who yeah. are having their celebration. Um. And then I think there's a couple of, or I guess on Kajimi, there's a little bit of like, at least we see some people. And so the, it, there's the implication that, okay, maybe these people are the people who are going to try and come and help. Right. Is that, okay, mm-hmm. maybe they're trying to spread joy throughout the galaxy and, and, you know, get people to be like, hey, you can take back from the first order or whatever. Uh, and they don't do that. Like, there's no point in this movie where they are setting up 
oh, hey, we're going to have these characters then come back and be the ones who yeah. finally decide that they are strong enough to take everyone on. Um, and and I'm supposed to buy that Lando goes to whatever the core systems is, yeah. and within yeah. like ten minutes is able to persuade millions of people to bring yes. all of their ships in to to help fight this thing. Like I don't buy any of it. It's not earned in well, the slightest. It's but, it's but now that so... said, mm-hmm. if if any if anybody is going <laughs> to convince a million people to just go to a crazy space battle it would be a guy who talks like billy d williams hey everybody i got a crazy idea (laughs) no that scene in the movie tries to be both gandalf getting the rohirrim and also the end of avengers endgame at once it is so derivative of portals (laughs) in so many ways and it fails so horribly to capture any of the emotional weight of because it tells you, it says, okay, Lando's going to go find help. He's going to come, but then we're going to set up this bit in the middle of the battle where it's the darkest hour and oh no, what's everyone doing? Ah. Um, And then, then Lando's going to show up as opposed to Endgame, which does a really masterful job of hiding the fact that, oh wait, all the heroes are back. Like you're not thinking about that while they're fighting Thanos. Uh, You're only thinking about the fact that, okay, they saved humanity, but now these heroes got to take out Thanos, and you're you're completely distracted. And then when it comes in, you're like, holy crap, of course, that's amazing. Um, Well, and similarly in in, uh, Two Towers, you kind of forget that Gandalf went to go get help because you're so absorbed into the battle at Helm's Deep. And Two Towers as well, you're you're so absorbed into are they going to make it to when Gandalf shows up? If he does show up, are they even going to make it that long? So it's, it's the double thing of... You're, you know, you're not sure if it's going to happen, and you're not even sure if they're going to survive that long. And this yeah. movie, there's no pacing whatsoever in that final battle that makes you ever really concerned about the characters, except for Matt Parkman, who explodes. Um, Matt Parkman being uh, the name of the actor whose name I can't remember from oh, Heroes. is it? Greg Greg Gunberg? Gunberg? <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, who sure. is not like a... in Last Jedi, so it's just... it. There are so many cases where this movie is, is is just begging you to ignore Last Jedi, and it's yeah. just like, no, 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 Force Awakens. That's the only one that happened. There is an incredibly bizarre, awful scene between him and Leia and Rose um, yes. in the middle of the movie where uh, Rey is, is off with Poe and everyone trying to find the help or the Sith Wayfinder or something. Um and is it the Wayfinder? Is it the Dagger? There's too many MacGuffins on too many and, planets, and we need to condense this somehow, please. Yes, and, and Matt Parkman is like, ah, this is going horribly, and Leia's like, just be optimistic. And he's like, oh, this is fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. It's going to be great. And it's the weirdest, <laughs> like, it doesn't add anything. It, it's not, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. But Tyler, we need to give off. Carrie Fisher more screen time in this movie to justify the amount of money we spent on digitally recreating oh, her. God, you mentioned the you mentioned the MacGuffins. So, so this is a a thing where Star Wars is in many ways not a science fiction story. It's it's it science fantasy. It's a it's a fantasy. It was not even science. It's because it, it's a it's a, <laughs> ultimately it's a story about an evil empire that is defeated by knights who use magic. Right. And right. it is a fantasy story with like space clothing, but the movies have all, and, and the movies, the old, the original movies are much more like, you know, Westerns or samurai movies. But, um, 
this movie did so many fantasy tropes of like we have to find the dagger to lead us to yeah. the and there's this legend tells of a of a hidden planet inhabited by the evil people and it's like this leans so much into that that it did it, to it didn't seem to be like embracing the fact that Star Wars isn't science fiction it seemed to be like just leaning too much on fantasy tropes in a way that wasn't interesting also the dagger just happens to line up with the wreckage of the Death Star or some mountains that, or something. Tyler, you weren't actually there when when I saw this in the theater. I saw it with Joseph and and, and a couple of other friends of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And when we got to that scene, I could I had to contain my laughter. Like I was, yeah. I, I didn't want to ruin the experience for anyone else if anybody else was enjoying it. So I had to stifle my laughter and cover my mouth. But I was, I was laughing at the movie like it had completely lost me by that point and in all fairness the the uh reading that 3po does of what it says on the dagger it says exactly where to go like it gives coordinates for where to stand Mm. but it also raises questions about so it's this old ancient dagger but it has Mm -hmm. this transcription on it that's that has to be new it has to be from the past 30 years because it tells them to go to the wreckage of the death star (laughs) and then it has the little fold-out thing that i guess the assassin must have added into it like it doesn't make any sense and a couple of further things here one it's assuming that nothing has happened to the wreckage like the death star wreckage hasn't shifted right exactly yeah um in the ocean In the ocean, <laughs> with like these massive waves that we see are happening because the characters have to cross them to get the Death Star. Also, um, I don't know about y'all. I, I remember the Death Star explosion from Return of the Jedi. There would not be wreckage. I don't know like <laughs> it blew um, up. The Emperor protected it because he was alive. He did his force. Oh right, right. Over right. this specific chunk of wreckage, so that it could land, so that he could make the dagger. Um, mm, okay. Or the, okay, there's a all. prophecy about the dagger, and the dagger was going to match what the Death Star looked like, so he had to protect the Death Star to make it look like the dagger so that the ancient dagger would match the prophecy. Anyway. To um, get the cat that killed the rat that lived in the house that George Lucas built. Correct. Um, <laughs> but I also, I, more than just that, they go to Basana, um, which also Lando is there, that's where they find him, and it's just like... Yeah. Oh, Lando's just been chilling here because Lando is like, oh, yeah, me and Luke, we were going to find this dagger guy or this guy with the dagger. Um, yeah. But then I guess he just I guess Luke just left at some point. And Lando was like, I'm going to stay here. This is nice. No worries, man. <laughs> um, there are so many dumb con- like, conveniences and coincidences that happen in the whole Pisana sequence. Well, I let me just let me finish. Let me finish saying that because so yeah, there's a whole bit about that where Lando's just there. I guess they just gave up on finding the guy. They were just like, oh, whatever. He's probably dead. Um, right. And then they go, and this guy o- Ochi Oki, his ship is sitting on a cliff, and it's like, okay, so when did he come here? How how long ago? Because Luke's been on right. Ock two for how long? No, no. So Lando the... says that he's like, oh, his ship's just still standing there, and I I really wanted Finner or Poe to be like, well, somebody's had to have scavenged yeah. it, right? Like. <laughs> like they, yeah. they stole the... Like, we so, can't fly that thing out, can we? But it's fully and, operational. And the, the ship's just standing there, and it's the ship that Ray remembers. So, yes. did he go kill Ray's parents, come back? Luke f- followed him, I guess not knowing anything about Ray's parents and the fact that they're <laughs> super powerful or, or the descendants of the super powerful Palpatine. You would think he would sense that. I don't know. And he's tracking them for a completely different reason that we don't really know. I guess because he's a Jedi hunter. Um... And so 
they go there, and then the guy's fallen into the pit here, and I guess that's where Luke and Lando just gave up. Um, but it's yes. just a very strange, like... It's like nothing has been touched in this scene for, for yeah. 30 years in in really any of these places, and we're just kind of supposed to roll with that. I don't know. It's real strange. Um, yeah. And I also want, I want to talk about the planets here a bit because mm-hmm. I was keeping track of this. The So we open on um, Vader's castle planet. It's, it's Mustafar, but you wouldn't know Is it that. Mustafar? Okay. Be, because the way it's shot, it looks just like a burned forest. It's not, yeah. it doesn't look like the Mustafar that we have seen in the other movies. Right. So automatically I was very confused. I don't know who Kylo Ren is fighting or yeah. why, like there's no context to any of it. And so that's the opening of the movie. He goes to Exegol, have the whole Palpatine thing. Then Poe Finn, no, Poe and Finn are on some like ice planet type thing where they're getting this information from the spy. asteroid space station thing. And then they do four time skip or four light speed skips, I guess, from the poison area to some uh, world world that has a big worm on it to uh, some place that looks like Coruscant. And then finally goes to uh, the place where Ray is training and the, the the bases hold up. Not Yavin Four. Yeah. Um. So that's seven planets that we've literally in the first fifteen minutes that we're just yes, jumping yeah. around. Like, and I'm not the sky the the this, the hopping sequence the hyperspace hopping sequence is really like the perfect capsulation for what this hmm. movie is yeah. and what it yeah. does. It just goes so fast. It's not asking you to think about any of the plot points. It's just like, we got to keep moving. Yeah. Got to keep moving. And we go to it's Pasana. It's also a sequence that could be really fun in a good movie. Right. Yes. Exactly. We go to Pasana. Where you care about the characters and what is actually happening. Pasana's planet number eight. Um, that's pr- still pretty early in the movie. Uh, we go to Kijimi. Um that's about 45 minutes in. We go to the Death Star planet. That's 10 planets. Um, then we go to back to Octu with Rey, um, where Luke has this really dumb thing where he grabs the lightsaber she's trying to throw, and he's like, a Jedi's weapon deserves more respect. And it's like, you don't... What are you... I, w- I was okay with that. I was it's okay not, with that. It's not played like a joke. If it was a, if it was him like joking about the fact that he had thrown away her lightsaber, that would be something. Yeah. And Mark Hamill could make it sound like a joke. He right. doesn't. He it, they're making him play it straight as if like I get, I guess I mean I find that okay because a lot of people and, and I would argue like in a lot of places this does feel like it's throwing the middle finger up at Last Jedi. That was one part where I was like, okay, at, they're acknowledging that Luke grew. He had a character arc in the last movie, as opposed to no, the last movie. But like they're just completely throwing it away. I don't feel like it makes any sense with his character arc. I feel like his character arc was not. Oh, I need to learn to respect the Jedi tradition. I feel like his character arc was. Hey, it's okay <laughs> to have hope. <laughs> like, well, m- mostly in terms of what he says, where he's like, "I will not be the last Jedi." I guess sure. I I thought it was dumb and reactive. <laughs> um. And I don't know. Anyway, um, that's planet number eleven. Uh, let me see. I think I, at some point I stopped keeping count. But basically, like we do that, and there's just so many locations that we have no connection yeah. with. 
Um, and I know that, that there are other Star Wars movies that have many locations, but I don't think any of them have this many, for one. Sure. And two, there's no at no point do we sit somewhere long enough to care about a place. Right. Um, and this, Star Wars this movie, is very much... This movie desperately needs one central planet where the First Order is all hanging around, and that's yeah. where most of the plot beats happen. We desperately need one thing. Which you would think we'd be okay with, because they've got Exegol, and they've got not Yavin 4, and so you'd be like, okay, so here's where we're going to have our home right. bases be, but they don't, because they're just jumping everywhere. I'd um, be okay with Kijimi being the only planet we go to, sure. other than those, because I like this idea of just, like, th- this almost occupied village. It felt kind of... Yeah. Kind of almost World War Two esque, yeah, um, sure. and I feel like you could just it's it's the, the the joke that that Tyler had brought up the the Plinket joke of oh you can merge Qui Gon and Obi Wan together to form an all new character Obi Wan Kenobi yeah. I'm like you can merge Kajimi and Pisana to form a whole new planet from which to use your plot Kajimi yeah um because and the reason I bring this up is because Star Wars has the original trilogy especially has very iconic planets. You've got Hoth, you've mm-hmm. got Tatooine. Like, these are places people recognize. There's not a ton of them because there don't need to be because the the movie the movies are not constantly hopping through different places. Um, and because of that, you're able to sit there, and like you were talking about in terms of getting a feel for, like, the temperature of how do the civilians of the galaxy feel. Right. That's how you get that, is that you have them, like, hang out in Cloud City. They see, okay, this is how people live yeah. in Cloud City. You you have I do believe multiple the, locations the Trevorrow, on Tatooine. The Trevorrow script goes to Coruscant, correct? That sounds right. Yes. I think that's where the bulk of that movie was supposed to take place, which I think would have immediately helped to remedy the, the problem. Yeah. Oh, do we, yeah. see, do we see Dexter Jetster? Is he back? We I should. Mean, he, I, should have a, he should have a diner ship. Oh my god! A, big old a floating diner, diner and Dexter is, is big old, like, flying in. No, he he has a big food truck, but he's not fighting. He's just like a chance <laughs> for some sales. It's this is great PR. He's, he's supporting the resistance, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's because these the the original movies and even the prequels to some extent, like they sit there and you you get to have yeah. a feel for what these environments are like. Yeah. It's an, it doesn't feel like we're just hopping between places. You get a much better sense of what the galaxy feels like. And I think Last Jedi does a decent job of this as well in terms of kind of anchoring the plot into you've got a big ship, you've got a small ship. Ray's off on Oct 2. They do jump over to the casino planet, which I know everyone hates. It's fine, whatever. Um, but even that, that helps to give me context for the yes. universe and how people feel. Yes, Exactly. Um, I don't like that subplot as much as the next guy, but at least that gave me mm-hmm. something. That gave me something to grasp. Yeah. And and then, of course, you've got Crate, which is this very... Because there's, like, four locations, we, we spent some time, and we, ha- we came up with this cool design for a final planet area where you've got... It looks like snow, but then it comes up, and, oh, there's red everywhere. This is yeah. really striking visual design. Um this this movie just has like very generic planets that are like ripoffs of planets we've already seen before. And what's or... worse is with Pisana, it's like oh we have another desert planet. Then we have a, a shot of when all the star destroyers are being destroyed because we're ripping off Return of the Jedi even more of the, mm-hmm. the special edition at least. And and they show a, a star destroyer falling on Jakku with with the already broken star destroyer on the ground. Mm-hmm. I'm like oh so we're going back to another desert 
planet. <laughs> and then at the end, Ray, when she goes to visit the homestead, which we can certainly get into. Oh, oh, we're, we're going back to the original desert planet. Yes. Like, you've got nothing. <laughs> yes. And and there's, there's like, I do like Jakku with the big Star Destroyer wreckage. I think that's yep. neat. But far and away, this this trilogy does not focus as much on the locations, which I would argue is a really <clears throat> key element of the original, like, the first six movies. And also just thinking about the, the way that, especially the original trilogy, shows characters approaching the Death Star. Oh, the Millennium Falcon is having to somehow get into the Death Star by being sneaky. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things that are, like, establishing shots from the outside that show where we are and where we're going and what the stakes are and, and you know, what, for example, the scale of the Death Star. Like, you can tell things with this. Right. Whereas this movie, we're constantly just hopping between different ships and stations and planets, and you just yeah. never feel grounded. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have a great reasoning as to why that affects the actual, like, plot, but it just was something that really, really bothered me because I feel like I could never just sit back and enjoy the scenes. I think the closest we get is, um, is it not indoor? I don't know. Wherever the Death Star crashed. Um, I think it's yeah, one yeah, of I'm the other about. moons of indoor. Sure. Um, there we actually get like an extended sequence where we're we're hanging out and and we you know, are crossing the waves to get to the Death Star. There's stuff happening on the Death Star. Like, we at least spend some time there. And I think that, again, the, the shots of the Death Star in the water is very striking. But it's it's just not, like... No one's going to remember any of these planets beyond the next five years. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. really, really yeah. care about these movies. But I think people remember Crate. I think, I think you could... Sh- even if they don't know the names, like, you could be like... Oh hey, you remember the planet where they had the all the red sand and everything? And be like, oh, that was a neat fight. <laughs> like, there's something there. I don't know. <sighs> no, I I, I agree because I think I think what it does is it prevents you from being able to like you, you can't let Star Wars just wash over you in this movie because I think there are a lot of Star Wars movies that like even if you're not crazy about them, you can just sit back and be like, yeah, but I'm in Star Wars now. Like, yeah, I'm right. in this location, I'm with these people, I'm in Star Wars. And this movie does not have that. Um, which is frustrating. Also, the Ewoks in this movie uh, don't look like cute teddy bears, they look like fuzzy bugs, and I didn't <laughs> like that. I didn't like that I, at all. I, I we... really detested those final shots where, where it's like mm-hmm. the, the Jakku thing, and then they've got one f- a Star Destroyer being destroyed over Cloud City, and then we see yeah. Wicked and, I guess, Wicked Sun um, <laughs> on on the forest moon of Endor, which I think is, is actually supposed to be Warwick Davis and his real-life son. So that Classic. was kind of oh, okay. cool, I guess. But have them in the well, movie. Have them do something. I don't because, want these yeah. dumb little cameos. It raises the question of... Why? Why did they not go to Coruscant? Why? You know, these are apparently yeah. important, and they've also lasted across all these regime changes. So clearly, they're central to the <laughs> right. the universe. Right? Is Lando yeah. the only person who thought to go to Coruscant and be like, "Hey, guys, Palpatine's back. We should get an army together and go fight him." Yeah. Like, is <laughs> is that the reason that they couldn't get anybody before this point? It's because they just never thought to like go ask people in a populated place. Well, also, I, I want to mention this because I think this is the biggest middle finger to Last Jedi, um, because Poe establishes, oh, hey, 
battle crate, we you know we sent out a message for people to come and help us, and nobody came, which does happen in crate in, in that movie. But then we completely ignore. But then Luke Skywalker showed up and he faced down the entire First Order and helped us all to get away. And that was an inspiration for the entire galaxy. That is thematically what that movie is at the end. And we're just ignoring that completely. Mm -hmm. I hated it. (laughs) This is is not not how you, you, you pick up somebody else's story and continue it. Yeah. Well, this movie's not trying to continue a story. This movie's trying to not get yelled at by Reddit, which right. is a stupid, stupid way to make a movie. Like <laughs> the on- no, I'm serious. Like the only reason these like incels on the internet think they have any power <laughs> is because movie studios are too afraid of them. Which is absolutely. I'm trying really hard not to swear right now, but it's like it's all these blowhards <laughs> like covered in Cheetos thinking that they matter. Or that their opinions about Star Wars matter because they're able to like because the studios are too afraid of getting yelled at by the internet. Like that's a preposterous notion. And and I know that people were talking about like oh, Last Jedi made less money than Force Awakens, so people didn't like it as much. Money is not a reflection of anything. Right. But also, Force Awakens was the first new Star Wars movie in like over a decade. Yeah, there was right. so much excitement about it. Last Jedi. Like, this isn't – don't even worry about comparing Last Jedi and Force Awakens. Just, like, by Last Jedi, people are like, oh, yeah, Star Wars. I know. That's a thing that's out now. I can go do that. We're also forgetting there was a Star Wars movie released between the two of them. Are we just right, throwing exactly. out Rogue right. One, which also made over a billion dollars? We just, right. for, just forget it. it. It didn't happen. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I do understand, like, these movies are very expensive and they don't make the money. But I understand, but it's like – People, I don't know, it's like when people try to point out how beloved a movie is because it made a lot of money. And I'm like, no, that just means people are curious about it. Right. (laughs) You know? Anyway, um, on a lighter note, uh, I... It was I had I had a sort of an an odd reaction with with Lando in this one because it was great to see Billy Dee Williams again. I don't know Mm -hmm. how often he acts anymore, so it's just cool to see him. And but but you couldn't really get away from the fact that like he's an old man now, and so. I don't know if he's like physically capable of doing a lot of the things that Lando does in the movie. Sure, no, because um, I, I think he—they do have Lando with a cane through through a good chunk of the movie. I, oh, I don't, yeah, think, that's I don't true. think Billy that's Dee true. Williams can do much walking now. Yeah, and obviously, like, no shade. I mean, the guy looks great, but right. it's it's it was just like it was so clearly just for like the the nostalgia thing, and and I I do find it very funny when. Oscar Isaac is giving that speech about crate and like nobody came and no one was there and da da da. That after that, Billy D. Williams, his response is like, "Well, I know we didn't know what we were doing either. Me and Han and and Luke, like we didn't know." But the way Billy D. Williams talks is so chill. He's like, "Hey, we didn't know what we were doing, <laughs> Luke." So it's it's so funny to hear like Oscar Isaac be so serious and then to jump to Billy D. Like, "It's crazy, man. Have a Colt forty five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And going along with that, um, it's just strange how brief that conversation is because this seems to be kind of thematically what the movie is going for. And, and Poe's like, but how did you guys do it before? And then Lando's just like, together. And then that's it? Yeah. yeah. It's like, yes. the power of teamwork will defeat the ultimate. I'm like, that right. is the most bare bones theme you can go for. Yes. Yeah. And And Star Wars has never been like, as rich as people want to think it is, but it it can do better than that. It can do better than that. If it's it's the end of the Skywalker saga, we can do better than that. 
or if you're going to have such a simple premise, like to execute it better, right. um, or simple theme. And, and don't I, throw in um, a million side plots and a million characters. Sorry. Um, I invoked uh, the word nostalgia, so now I need to, <laughs> I need to delete all my, all my social media. Um, <laughs> I, I understand. I, I have a weird relationship with the current use of nostalgia as a pejorative. I think that a lot of people view nostalgia as like an immediately toxic, awful thing. And I think that it can be. I don't think that saying, oh, yeah, there was this thing I liked as a kid. It was pretty good. That's not toxic nostalgia. That's like like when we did the Toy Story movies, we talked about like, oh, yeah, we all grew up liking these movies. And we watched them again and we're like, hey, these are still really good. Mm-hmm. I think the toxic nostalgia is when you're like, no, the way things were when I was a kid, that's the best. Yeah. That's the best way. That's the only way. And we've seen that be very toxic in not movies, in like real world things. But we do see mm-hmm. that in movies. And, and I think that people lobbed a lot of that at Force Awakens, which I, I felt was a little unfair. I think Force Awakens is trying to show us like, no, no, we, we know what works about Star Wars. We're just trying yeah. to get you back on the side of Star Wars. Yeah. But then I think this movie falls into the bad nostalgia, which is like, we're not going to try to craft a story. We're just going to throw up a bunch of stuff that you recognize. Right. And we're not going to try to do anything interesting with it. And I think even Force Awakens was aping the original trilogy. It still managed to do it with at least with some competency and some style. And so I was like, I know, this is all very familiar, but it's like I'm hearing a really good cover of a song I already know. Right. And so, like, you know what? Sure, I'll take it. I'm fine with that. Um, and, and, I, and I think that, that th- this is the one of the first movies I've seen in a while where I've gone, okay, this is – I will lob nostalgia against this movie because there's all these cameos that don't need to be in it or that aren't built up. Like, if this movie had a stronger, more original base to work on – then little moments of like, hey, there's Wedge. Hey, there are the Ewoks. I'd be okay with because it's like, that's not what this movie is leaning on. This movie is leaning on its own weight. Yeah. But instead, this movie's like, we don't have anything, so we're just going to remind you of the old movie. Well, I, I would argue that that the cameos and a lot of the nostalgia outright hurts this, this yeah. trilogy because, and, and going back to, once again, everything goes back to Palpatine, it completely negates the victories of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm, like, when we right. cut to Nienub is still alive, and he's still a pilot for the Resistance, yeah. and Wedge shows uh-huh. up, and the Ewoks haven't changed at all, and I'm like, so I guess nothing's really changed. They didn't... Our, our, our heroes in the original trilogy don't, don't seem to have accomplished a whole lot. Right. Yeah. And I, they should have just gone for some new threat. Just also, just how come Nian Nunb is there and Lando never talks to him? That yeah. was his like his buddy. Yeah, uh, have him I do d- a high five. At least. I I did like the genuine glee that Billy D. Williams had when he was just flying around in the Millennium yeah. Falcon. Yes, yeah, I was that that was that was nice. Yeah. The, this movie has a lot of uh, interesting background aliens, including a giant slug monster that I both loved and hated. Sure. It had giant eyes. It didn't look like a Star Wars creature. It looked like a Farscape creature, and I like Farscape. <laughs> but it, it was so weird, and it was just in the background of a lot of those rebel meetings. Mm. And I was like, who is 
Who is that? I thought you were going to talk about the giant slug creature that Ray heals because Ray has no, the that... ability to heal because, hey, this week on The Mandalorian. <laughs> See, I like it better that Baby Yoda has healing powers because he's right. Baby Yoda. Right, right. <laughs> Well, the thing As that bothers to, me the most don't worry, is, is if I'm trying to work backwards, based on everything, all the information given to me, I have to assume that she learned that from those Jedi texts that she took from, from the mm. temple, from Last Jedi. The Jedi should know that they he- can heal with the Force. Why has that never been used? Like, yeah. any time yeah. a Skywalker gets a chopped limb in these movies, I'm going, you got... You might be able to fix that. You maybe it doesn't have to be a robot arm. Maybe you can throw sure. that back. To play devil's advocate, I think people could say the same thing about the force projection. Sure. Stuff from Last Jedi. I'm not necessarily against introducing new things personally. Um but I think specifically the way and I'm not against the force healing really as a as a concept, but the the way it's used in this movie where it's like, oh, so it takes some of your own life force but Ray's fine after she heals the big centipede thing. But then she heals Kylo, and she's also fine. But yeah. then Kylo heals her, and he dies because she was dead? That I don't was, know. That was another point where I laughed when I first saw the movie, because yeah. I was I was waiting for the YouTube edit where people are like, Ray gives him life to bring him back to life, and then she dies, and, and then like it keeps hopping back and forth for like half an hour. But then they have the gall to have Kylo Ren's body disappear into the force. I'm like, dang it, you uh, ruined it. I, well, I, I think. I, oh, go ahead. Tom. I was going to say I, I have a very specific memory of watching that um, in the theater, and like a handful. A sm- this was it was still pretty. It wasn't my opening night, but it was still pretty early, like first weekend. And there no, was like a... I'm pretty sure you saw it opening night because I saw it uh, the the following day. Oh, that's right! I forgot we saw it because uh, you had, you had seen an early screening ahead of when when kind yes. of our, our I was thinking it was the other way seen. around. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, so it was opening night. There we go. Um, so like you had your your Raylos, um in the audience, and yeah. when they kissed, they were like, "Yeah!" Um, and then. Kylo Ren just dies, and there was a lot of like confusion. Like I don't, that's the only way I can describe the sound. I don't. It Audible was kind of like confusion. It was kind of like general <laughs> some like some gasps and some people kind of like chuckling. <laughs> like, the was, way it's edited is kind of comedic. Yeah, just people be like, yeah. "What?" Is kind of the, the mood. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that the this this trilogy has added a lot of force powers, and I feel. I mean, ultimately, I'm fine with it, but I like it better when it's like Luke can force project that much because he's Luke Skywalker. He's he's like he's reached that level of power. I thought the idea was that he practicing. He, I I was going to argue that that maybe the idea is like that's that's just a power he's learned in the 30 years between yeah. the movies, as opposed to sure, right. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. Like he's had this time to like, that's not something that like every Jedi can do. It's not like, you're, right. it's not like a base skill. You have to level up a lot right. and that baby Yoda can heal because the Yoda species is just like that in tune with the force. Sure. Right. Hey, speaking of being in tune with the force, what do you guys think Finn was going to tell Ray? I know exactly <laughs> what he was going to tell Ray. I think he was going to tell her whatever Scarlett Johansson whispered to Bill Murray or the other way around at the end of lost in translation. Oh my God. What no? But yeah, I think a fan asked J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Abrams told them that it's Finn was going to tell her he's force sensitive. Yes, 
which is yeah. which is a weird barely <laughs> and I mean barely hinted at in the movie and is maybe the worst it's not even a setup and payoff because there is no payoff. I also yeah. I, I want to explore this a little bit because we talked about the fact that okay Finn he's he's a uh, deserted stormtrooper so like it makes natural sense for him to be the one to kind of like rebel and and right. get the stormtroopers to leave and obviously they completely screwed that up but also they replace it with this this thing this this ongoing thing of him being like oh I can kind of sense the force maybe I'm kind of a Jedi I don't know man um, yeah. But specifically, there, there's a couple of bits that I had very high confusion about when it came <laughs> to that. Um, because the the big one I noticed was he's talking to... What, what's the new character? Um, uh, Janna. Janna? Janna. Janna, yeah. Um, he's talking to her, and she's telling him, Oh, hey, you know, we, we were all... They told us to fire on civilians... Um, but we decided not to because like we disobeyed orders and I was like, okay, sure. Um, but <laughs> it's something about the dialogue is something about, oh, I sense something that, that told us to lay down our arms and yeah. Finn's like, yes, I've sensed that too. I know, I know what, what it is. It's the force. And it's like the force had to tell you to not fire on civilians. <laughs> is that what I'm getting from this? Because I don't know if that's exactly what the dialogue's supposed to mean, but that's very much what I what you can take away from it. And I was very confused. No, definitely. Um, and yeah, um, then yeah, they just it's... keep doing that thing where he's like, I feel the force, and I w- it doesn't. I would have really liked it if the thing he was going to tell her was like, I listened to that CD you gave me. It was really good. <laughs> I forgot to tell you, I tried that recipe. <laughs> Too much space nougat or whatever. Don't forget to drink your Ovaltine. Because <sighs> obviously a lot of people are like, oh, he was going to tell her that he loves her and all this nonsense. Well, I think I think when you're watching the movie, that's yeah. the obvious route to take in terms yeah, of yeah. interpreting that's... it. So it's just... Because if he was telling her that he was Force-sensitive, it's like... what. Why do you need to keep that a secret? Why, do, why is, and why does she need to know at that point? <laughs> what are you going to get out of yeah. this? Like, yeah. I feel like her response, if he had been able to say it, should have been, "Okay, can you get us out of this?" Is that right? <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's so silly. Uh, I feel uh, like the script. I feel like the implication of the script uh, is that he's supposed to be asking, uh, or to telling her that he actually loves her. And yeah. that that was either a artifact from a previous draft or something that just never right. like it just sort of floated around there a while. And then when someone asked J.J. Abrams, he was like, uh, right. I really do like I don't know, because that, that, that's the kind of thing you would tell somebody before you died. Like you wouldn't say it's like if I was about thought I was about to die and I was like, Tyler, I, I have something to tell you. I'm really good at skateboarding. <laughs> like that's not. <laughs> He had to get he had to get out like one last flex before he sinks yeah. into the 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 pebble sea or whatever. Uh, um, there was uh, another bit that I was about to bring up. Uh, Star Wars flying around space, big worm. Um, <laughs> Ewoks, Jedi. Oh, I feel personally, I felt like there were some jokes in this movie that that worked for me. Oh, I, um, I felt like actually uh, one of the, the surprising highlights of the movie was the humor. 
And and this is one of my reasons that I think it's not all on J.J. Abrams, because I the moments that I thought were funny, I'm like, that seems like a J.J. Abrams sure. bit. Like, right. there's a, like all the stuff with 3PO I thought was pretty funny, and, like, 3PO says something, and I'll kind of turn and glare at him, but he doesn't realize it, and he just, like, turns and looks behind him, too, like, <laughs> what are you looking at? Right. And, like, that was funny, and there are some lines there that I'm like, that sounds like J.J. going, okay, if nothing else... At least this is funny for me. Right, sure. <laughs> like, the, the gag when they're in the tunnel and Ray turns on her lightsaber and Poe turns on the flashlight. <laughs> yes, Perfect. that's great. Perfectly done. And th- and that is a direct, that's a moment you can come up with on the day. Like, that's right. a funny little yep. bit. And I, um, I, I enjoyed the comedy. Let's talk about the old guard that gets short shrift here. 3PO, th- so th- this movie in- at two points establishes, hey, we're going to kill off a member of the old guard, but not really. Yes. No, in the, a way the, that the twists been... and turns and, and, and fake-out deaths in this movie are just yeah. the worst. And one of them, I, th- I think 3PO's, in a good movie, could have been emotionally resonant, where he yes. is making a choice to sacrifice his mind, which has been the core of his utility in these movies. And, and then he says the thing about, like, I'm taking one last look at my friends, except the only yeah. one who that would apply to is Chewbacca. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then Chewbacca. Well, right, Chewbacca's not even there. He's I, like, I, I'm looking at my new pal. Well, I, <laughs> I do. I do want to add one interesting thing because I, I maybe this was Red Letter Media. I'm not sure. I think a lot of people interpreted that because that was in the trailer as he's looking back through all of his memories and revisiting oh. stuff that, from the previous movies. Okay. And I think that okay. was what a lot of people were interpreting, and I kind of wish that's just what they did. Yeah, that 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 Made I'm fine more. with. Explicit, which is also kind of funny because it's like I'm taking. Oh, guys, guys, no, sorry, sorry, not you guys. I'm hanging out with my friends. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. I'm hanging out in my hollow deck. Yeah. Even one. Well, then the other that. one is. Oh, go ahead, Brit. Uh, I was gonna say the other one is Chewbacca, which the the whole like race only using forest lightning is like oh oh. That's a moment where I didn't want them. If Chewbacca's gonna die, it shouldn't be like that. But for. For, at that point in the movie, I was like, oh, killing Chewbacca is a very bold thing since they killed Han Solo. Are they are they going to stick to this? Like, right. don't do it this way, but I kind of respect this movie. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. Well, so that, I want to it's, it, talk. It's not about being like, oh, I wish Chewbacca had died. It's about, I wish you would just make a decision and stick to it. Yes. I want to talk about the logistics of that scene because, again, talking about. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> after that, I'll cover the editing that follows sure. that scene. Sure. Um, the, yeah, just. Talking about again about the movie like actually showing us the location and the topography mm-hmm. of what we're dealing with here. Um, there, Finn and Poe are and Chewie are up in Ochi's ship, and Ray is like, "I see Kylo Ren. I'm going after Kylo Ren or something." Um, yeah, and then Chewie goes after her, and it's almost comedic because Chewie. Just he's walking down the cliff like, oh, gotta go get my friend. He just kind of like ambles after her, Um, and it shows the Knights of Ren. And then the next time we see him, he's in chains, being led into this transport. It's like what? Um, But then (laughs) that's on like one side of this hill that the ship is on. Finn goes down and he sees Chewbacca getting loaded into the Mm -hmm. transport, and he sees that there are two transports. You you can see two transports in the shot. And he's looking at, yeah. and then he goes to Ray, and he's like, hey, "Ray, F- Chewie's in there," and like he he could look over, 
right before <laughs> yeah. before he actually turns to yell at Ray and see okay they're loading him into this ship and the other one's taking off like the way yeah. the scene is set up it seems very very easy for him to just look and see okay this is the one Chewie's in this is the one Chewie's not in and Got I'm it. also supposed this one's to buy off. that they didn't see the other sh- like nobody saw yes. the other ship taking off because well and yeah. that's what what makes it even crazier because there's this whole th- little fight with Kylo Ren the thing in the trailer where she flips over his ship and everything and then she blows up the the ship Chewie, that supposedly has Chewie on it and they freak out and they go back to Ochi's ship and they fly off and like they would see the transport <laughs> it would still be there <laughs> or they would see like they just cut they just yes. give up on showing us what how that other ship got away and then later we just get find out oh there was another transport and Chewie was in it it's the strangest, like, weirdest way to try to execute that. And, well, to further the madness that, that happens with this, you would think typical storytelling would tell you, oh, hey, we want to maximize them realizing that Chewie's still alive. We want that to be a big, you know, almost applause-worthy moment. Yeah. So what do we do with that? Well, we have them kind of sad, and, and they, they don't really know what to do, and Ray's questioning herself, and they're like, well, we got to go to the Star Destroyer. we gotta go, We got to go get the, the Wayfinder, mm-hmm. or whatever the goal is. I can't even remember at this point. Or the dagger. Or, yeah. Do they already have the dagger? I don't even know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they go up to the Star Destroyer, and then they run into Chewie. Like, it needs to be some big reveal. But before yeah. we even get the chance for our characters, characters to to mourn the fact that they think he died? Mm-hmm. We see the Chewie's alive. He's on the Star Destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cut that moment. We don't need it. Which that is great because... The pacing. Then later, Ray senses Chewie... They don't find Chewie. Ray senses Chewie yes. on the Star Destroyer at Kajimi, which means she didn't sense him when she thought she'd killed him <laughs> and the transport was right yeah. there. <laughs> I don't... When I love the... I love the bit when Ray is like, He's alive. He must have been on another transport. <laughs> the Emperor's alive somehow. The script says it right here. Um, God. There are so yeah. many moments, so many just just, just cheap cuts that, that, that they make. Like, the stupid coin that, that Zori gives them is like, mm-hmm. here's your free pass to get on a Star Destroyer. It's like, <laughs> what is that? And Zori is just like, I like Rey because you have spunk. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't, we don't you have got, time for her to establish You got Moxie, kid. <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to talk a little bit about the Ray dark side stuff some more because I think both the C-3PO thing and the uh, Chewbacca thing lead into another scene, which is the scene we mentioned of her confronting her evil self on the Death Star. Yes. Because both these scenes have Ray making some sort of choice that could be killing off a character from the original trilogy. And I think that's a really interesting idea where... If you actually yeah. had her kill off Chewie somehow. And she's kind of pushing C-3PO to be like, hey, we really need this translation. And so there, there's almost a hint there where you could take that. You could say, okay, she's she's pushing him to do something he may not necessarily want to do because she makes him believe he has to do it. Right. Um, and then she confronts her evil self, which has this cool little lightsaber tool thing that does not get used enough. And I wish that that was like a thing in the movie. Um, and then Kylo Ren fights her after that. And he's like... Now you can't go back to Leia, and it's like because she <laughs> she fought the evil version of herself in a in an illusion. Wh- what? Well, did he even see what was going on there? I don't know. Because 
Because this is after they've realized, oh, Chewie is still alive. Like, everything's okay. Well, like, it's just the fact that, that Kylo Ren now has the Wayfinder. Like, we did technically fail the mission, but I can go back to her. I'm, like, I'm imagining Yoda in... Uh, I don't remember if it's Return of the Jedi or Empire, where uh, Luke comes out of the cave where he fights Darth Vader, and then and then it's his own head on Darth Vader. And then he comes out, and Yoda's like, well... Uh, you're a Sith now. I don't make the rules. Sorry, gotta get out of here. Like you're, you, you were tempted. So, uh, too bad. And there's no, I don't know. It's just like the whole point of that little cave sequence. Here, here's, let's sit on this for a second. The whole point of the cave sequence sequence is that Empire or Return of the Jedi? Uh, Empire. Uh, Empire. I believe. Okay. Um, the whole point is like, oh, he's actually Darth Vader's actually a reflection of him because it's his father. And we don't know that yet, but that's right. That's what that's getting at. And so that's why he fights him. And then is it, it's he cuts off his head and then his head's yep. underneath the helmet. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And so that's a thing. That's the thing that makes sense is, Oh, he's confronting the darkness in himself because the darkness is in himself is man already manifested in Vader. And so like that, it's a whole thing. He could become Vader. Right. Um, so then in last Jedi, they don't do, Oh, let's have Ray fight an evil version of herself. They have that be yeah. Ray is in this kind of giant trippy mirror sequence, coming to terms with the fact that she is only her own person. She, you know, right. Her dark reflection is herself. She she doesn't have these evil family members who might be, <clears throat> you know, kind of influence influencing her. Or might be a. a story of what she might become it's just her and she's having to confront the fact that she's got to forge her own path basically and she's yeah all her actions will only be her own um and that's what that entire trippy sequence in last jedi is but then in this one they have her fight an evil version of herself just because <laughs> and that's like the last time we give up on the dark side stuff at that point because yeah. the emperor never really tempts her and and that the movie seems to be pushing just a little bit at, ooh, maybe she's going to be a dark... I don't, maybe she might like the dark side more. And we don't yeah. do anything with that. I don't know. It's fascinating. And, it, and that's those are multiple scenes that where that is a subtext of the scene that is... They took time to put into the movie and then do nothing with it. I don't know. Yeah. It's fascinating. No, I... Yeah. And I feel, but I feel like that, that's, I mean, something this movie does... A lot, <laughs> yeah. a yes. lot of ways. the The movie con- is constantly backtracking. It is afraid to do anything. Yeah, because again, and I may be putting too much of this, but I think it's just so afraid of backlash. You know, yeah. that it's like we just have to be. I don't know. You know, it's like I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than one thousand people's ninth favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, I it. I think it is. Because I don't think I've ever seen a movie that tries to respond to like specific fan criticism <laughs> more than I'm sure. Ever Justice seen. League, the, the the theatrical cut of Justice League, anyway, might be sure. Close. Sure, um, I would say the second season of Glee gets pretty uh, fan servicing. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. I have a I have a minor list of or trusty list of misgivings. Before Ooh. you get into that, I. I because I do, I am excited to hear this. I did not make one for this this one because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not giving Rise of Skywalker that much effort on my sure. part. I'm not. It doesn't deserve it. <laughs> I will say I kind of just stopped about halfway through. Um, <laughs> at a certain point, I was like, I'm this is enough. I um. I do want to address Poe a little bit more because 
why do we add the backstory that he was a spice runner? Like, people... Yeah. I don't know. When, when Force Awakens was coming out, everybody was already trying to pick apart, like, who was the proxy for who from the original trilogy. And people were like, oh, yeah. Poe, I guess he's the Han Solo from the original trilogy. Or, or you know, he represents that, that type of character. And you watch the yeah. first two movies, and he's really not. He's just, like, a soldier who is learning to be a leader. And then you get to this yeah. one, and it's like... Still not really a leader until Leia dies, which, once again, I, I feel like that it would just serve the characters better that we have if you just yeah. kill off Leia. Like, he truly has to step up and be the leader for this movie. Right. I think that would be better instead of just, like, oh, the character arc that he had in the last movie with Holdo and, and knowing when to sacrifice yourself and being a hero versus, you know, surviving. Eh, don't think about it. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm just saying. At least he got to stick it to that mean old Laura Dern. Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, Who does she think she is with purple hair and a woman collecting her jar of hearts? Um, <laughs> the... But then we we just have to go. Oh wait, no, he was a spice runner. He has. He's a. Yeah. He is. He's a. He's a criminal with a heart of gold. Or I guess he was at one point, just like Han Solo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that does. It does lead to a funny exchange where where um, they're they're questioning him for being a spice runner, even though. I mean, they were friends with Han Solo. I don't know yeah. why they're criticizing him, but he's like, "Weren't you a stormtrooper? Weren't you a scavenger? We can do this all day." I, yeah, I thought that sure. was a funny bit, but it just, it felt so much like, oh, well, we need to give Poe something to do in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, but you already had it set up for him to do things. You're just not following the roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler, take us through your list. Yes. Yeah. Um, we've knocked off most of them, but there's a, there's a handful of things. Um, first of all, Luke's lightsaber is fixed at the beginning of the movie after it was blown yeah. up uh, when Ray and Kylo Ren were fighting over it. Uh, but then Ray makes her own lightsaber at the end of the movie, and it's it's X Men yeah. Apocalypse all over again, where you've got mm-hmm. they've got the co- they've got the costumes that they're supposed to have at the end of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> after I... we spent the whole time building up to this movie, thinking, hey, maybe they're going to have the cool costumes now. Right. I think it would have been cool if if because at the end of Last Jedi, in in this movie's defense, she is holding the split lightsaber, and Leia says, "We have everything that we need." So I think it makes sense that they're able to rebuild that lightsaber. Yeah. However, thematically going with, with Rey trying to forge her own path and kind of being a Jedi, but also maybe trying to be something new, maybe she constructs a lightsaber that is parts of her staff, like what mm-hmm. ends up happening at the end of this movie, mm-hmm. and Luke's lightsaber. So you co- combine them both. Yeah. Thematically, that says a whole lot more than nothing. And it'd be great if you actually... I mean, you don't have to show us that if, if that's what you do, but, like, that'd be a cool thing to show that you yeah. could have her do in this movie and, yeah. and have that feed into what she's doing and the fact that she's creating, doing her own thing. Um, Kylo Ren, uh, in the scene where there are, he's got his, like, board of trustees uh, and they're talking about um, Palpatine, there's one guy who's asking very, like, important and good questions about Palpatine and being like, Hey, what does Palpatine want? What, you know, like, why is he giving us all this stuff? Like what, what's, what's his uh, motivation here? And Kylo Ren just like chokes him out and throws him against the ceiling. <laughs> and it's like, not necessarily a problem, I guess it's not like out of character, but it's also like the movie saying, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Right, right. We don't know either. 
Well, what's frustrating about that is, like, like, like we said, I, like, I was excited to see Kylo Ren be supreme leader. I wanted to see what that would be like. Yeah. And that's like the only scene we really get of yeah. him leading the First Order, and it's not – it's it's just the stereotypical, we're going along with the plan. If you question it, I'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ray has a convenient bit on Pasana where some villager comes up and is like, what is your last name? And she's like, I don't know. Um, we'll talk about we'll talk about the ending, the, the last scene uh, in a second here. Um, yeah. It's just very convenient and dumb. Um, General Hux is a spy because he wants <laughs> Kylo Ren to lose. There's no... That's just it. And he doesn't even... Like, he just gets killed off after that because the movie doesn't know what to do with yeah. him now that they've made him well, such a cartoon. I, I know he's already it, a cartoon. I guess it's but... because... I, I don't know if it's another case of them trying to, to shy away from criticisms thrown at Last Jedi because a lot of people criticize that, and myself included. General Hux is basically portrayed as a joke through most of that movie. So I guess this one is just like, eh, we'll keep him as a joke, but then we're just going to replace him with Richard E. Grant. Yeah. I'm like, that's a waste of two really good actors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, with Last Jedi, it's like, okay, we've we've set up this weird power dynamic between Hux and and Kylo Ren. Is that going to be, you know, an interesting relationship? Is there going to be tension there? Are we going to kind of pull on that? And maybe there will be a nuanced betrayal at the end of the movie by Hux? Um, but then this movie is like, no, 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 we just need, we need the guy who can be the, uh, we need the Tarkin. Moff, Moff we Tarkin need Tarkin. Yeah. And that's all we need. Yeah. Um, it's strange. Um, the force dyad is a thing Kylo Ren tells us about because he's the child of, uh, Leia and Ray is the granddaughter of Palpatine. And for some reason this makes them a force dyad because they were <laughs> born at the same time or thereabouts, I guess. I don't know. And, and Palpatine it, has the realization when he starts sucking out their life force, you are a false dyad. I will drain the life <laughs> from you both. Yeah, I, I, sure. Um, Rin also calls Ray a Palpatine in the same way that, like, Zyoda would say, oh, you, you know, there is another Skywalker, is that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but... but Kylo Ren is specifically says you're a Palpatine, but like he just went by Palpatine. We don't we don't know how common this name is. Like <laughs> he could have just this could have just been like a, a common Star Wars family name. I do it's, find it could be weird. like yeah, you are a Johnson. What when we choose to reference certain things from the prequels and when we don't, because yeah. I kind of made fun of Force Awakens seems to not really want to reference the prequels all that much, which I think is a smart move. But then in The Last Jedi, they mention, they specifically call Palpatine by Darth Sidious. Yeah. Which is strange. And I I always thought that was a weird choice. And I was like, okay, so we are kind of referencing, like we're kind of wishy-washy on whether or not we want to reference the the prequels. And then we go to this one, they never mention him as Sidious, not once. It's very yeah. strange. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know that's that's. It, it doesn't matter. I but. think it speaks to a larger thing. Where I mean, it's again the thing of it's sort of the midichlorian thing, right? Yeah. Where the prequels, you've got this thing that explains something that nobody was questioning, um, and the fact that yeah, the emperor is just the emperor in the original trilogy. We never call him yeah, uh, Sheev Palpatine or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it speaks to this movie really trying to like meta think what the fans are going to say 
because it immediately goes to, oh, they'll recognize Palpatine. They'll, they'll right. recognize if we say she's a Palpatine, even though we haven't yeah. really established that. Like with Skywalkers, you've got Anakin, Luke, and Leia, and this is a very specific set of characters. We don't really know Anakin's background. Shmi is a Skywalker, I will say, but we don't really know her background either. It's a very specific family, that right. family mm-hmm. line. And so when you say you're a Skywalker, it's kind of like, ooh. And the Skywalker line is, is associated with all these interesting familial relationships. Whereas this is just, yeah, being a Palpatine is a thing. <laughs> I don't know, it's just very silly to me when I think about it in terms of what these characters would be saying. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody in the universe would be thinking of that they might think in terms of oh the, he's one of the skywalkers i don't think anybody would think he's a palpatine because <laughs> nobody even knows the palpatine had children i don't sure. know it's silly and dumb um the only other thing i had is that palpatine doing the like dubstep electric like where the the, the big <laughs> uh-huh. the big lightning uh-huh. tree shoots out that's 100 <laughs> yeah. percent them trying to ape off the last jedi uh hyperspace ram thing they're yeah. trying to have a big oh, moment sure. like that and it Which... bothered me greatly did you both love when Dominic Monaghan says, oh, maybe we should try the hold maneuver. Oh, that yeah. worked really well. And then Finn's just like, that's a, it's a one in a million shot. You can never <laughs> repeat it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Come on. That's, that's all I got. Do we want to talk about the Tatooine scene? I, I did want to mention the actual way they take out Palpatine is the dumbest thing. Mm. And I know this is a movie filled with dumb things, but the fact that every time Palpatine wants to do something, he just shoots lightning at it. Yeah. And I'm like, but you know Jedis can reflect it with their lightsabers, and you know that's caused you to be disfigured before. Do you remember Sam Jackson? Like, we've seen this happen before. And also just the weird nonsense that Rey is not powerful enough to push it back with one lightsaber, she has to pull out two. <laughs> <She is too. laughs> I, like, none of it made any sense. And, and the, the way the actual scene is edited is not edited for impact. And it, because yeah. that's supposed to be the uh, cap-holding Mjolnir moment yes. from Endgame. Be- because he says, oh my I have gosh, all... I didn't even think of that. Well, you no, know, it is because he says, like, I have all the Sith in me. And she's like, and I have all the Jedi, and she pulls out the lightsaber, and I'm like, I'm not I'm not cheering for this. Yeah, and it's like, the lightsaber was right there. We know we, There was no point <laughs> yeah. at which we are surprised that she's doing this. We're yeah. just confused as to why it matters. Yes. I think there's two ways they could have fixed that, that fight with Palpatine. One is, all of the Jedi are behind her, also holding their hands up, so it's like Goku and Gohan beating sure. which, Cell in which Dragon is, Ball Z. The fan edit that I mentioned is basically that. Right. The second way is when all of the Jedi are speaking to her in her mind, like, believe in yourself, you can do it. It's like the end of Company, and they're like, don't be scared that it won't be perfect, Ray. Just be scared that it won't be, and all of that, and Bobby Baby. But then you hear Samuel Jackson just go, throw it at him. And then... <laughs> <laughs> like, there are all these, like, whispered, like, Ray, you can do it. Trust, believe in the Force. Listen, here's what you do. <laughs> if he throws lightning at you, just... Put up reflect like it's a Final Fantasy. You remember game. how you boomeranged it earlier in the movie? Do that again. It's boomerang. <laughs> no, that's what it is. Ray, do it. Believe in yourself. Boomerang. <laughs> and then, boomerang, you do come back. Oh my mm. god. So, if we want to talk about the final scene, 
Do we? Yeah, um, this is this is where I I have I'm going to do my own steal a segment because I have a rewriting. Ooh. Um, so, oh, snap. so let's let, let's talk about the scene. Let's just talk about the scene as is, and then I'll do my rewriting. And because it's me, it's going to be a little goofy. Let's go. So it's a weird scene. <laughs> <laughs> Because so, so the scene as it happens is Ray returns to Tatooine, where and I believe all of that is like. That's the actual set because the Dunes have actually been covering it yes. over time, yeah. And so that's kind of touching and, and all that. And she buries the the twin lightsabers, and Luke and Leia's ghosts are there, and then a, just a woman with a cool giraffe is there, and she's like, <laughs> "We haven't had anybody here in a million years." What's your full name? And then Ray's like, "My name's Ray." Yellow lightsaber, Ray Skywalker. I don't think she actually turns it on in between that. I think she does it beforehand. But oh, okay, okay. It was yellow, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so it's like Plo Koon's lightsaber in the old the prequel. Sure. <laughs> God, that's so. Silly. That's Ray's uh, grandmother, Plo Koon. My my biggest problem is I think that is the ultimate – that feels like a J.J. Abrams decision of, well, of course, we have to bring it full circle. She has to go back to sure. this original place where it all started. The problem with yeah. that is it doesn't make sense in the context of the story. It only makes sense right. on a meta level for the audience yeah. because yeah. Luke hated growing up there. He hated Tatooine, and the only time Leia was there was when she was a slave to Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Neither of them – give a crap about their lightsabers being buried there as some kind of memorial to them. Doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, it's also... And I really like Rey a lot, but this movie does not make me feel that that character has earned going back to the the home of Luke Skywalker. Right. Like, that's such a... Also, I don't think she's earned uh, calling herself a Skywalker... Which I yeah, def- I, I don't either. Especially because, and I say that really liking the character. Once again, because the whole thing with with the last movie was her learning to to not completely move on, not not forget the past, but she needs to start forging her own path. And this one just doubles down on nope. Remember what you know. <laughs> remember what you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the best way I've seen it rewritten is just her saying, "I'm Ray, just Ray." Yeah. Like when they respond. I think that's... I, I think that, yeah. Well, what frustrates the only way that would really work. Well, what frustrates me even more is that the final scene isn't... It's just kind of her and BB-8 looking yeah. at the twin sons. I Poe and Finn and Chewie need to be there. Like, mm-hmm. the whole... This movie, especially if it was trying to go with, oh, well, how did you guys win last time? Together. It needs to end with our group of heroes back together, which is that final celebratory scene where all the soldiers come back to the base and they're like, yay, we did it. Mm. Hey, there's a couple yeah. of women kissing in the background. Aren't we progressive? And, um, and Chew- Chewbacca does one very lazy arm um, arm pump where he's like, <laughs> right, and that's I, it. I think if if someone presented this to me, it was like, make this better if you don't think it's good. My first thought would be, instead of going to... Tatooine, she goes to Ock 2, leaves the lightsabers maybe on the um, the plank where Luke force-ghosted, um, mm-hmm. or buries them near abouts there, puts them under a rock, something like that. 
Yeah. And you have the whole, like, team in the Millennium Falcon. They all come back. Maybe Lando's there. They're all hanging out. And then she's just like, I promise we'll, we'll, we'll get to Coruscant soon, but there's just something I got to do. And, and so you can... I think that makes that a... Because the problem is right now, the final scene is so disconnected from yeah. what's happening at the end. And it's so just like, fan service, fan service, we got to finish this up. I don't know what we're doing. Just make it so that people will have an image they remember. Well, even um, more so than that, it's weird that the only ghosts that are there are Luke and Leia. Yeah. We show Ben going into the Force. Have have Adam Driver there. Sure. Yeah. He reunited with his family. Yeah. All is well. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Have Owen and Baru there. <laughs> yeah. That Might would be funny well. if if their their corpse their skeletons were still there. <laughs> she just knocks one over to <laughs> is, is that Shmi's grave that we forgot about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my girlfriend Baru. What? <laughs> <laughs> and all the younglings that Anakin killed. They're all there. <laughs> and that one Ewok. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Yep. I, I did so, I did want to ask what, what, what you both thought of the quick flashback scene where where Luke in his voiceover goes, Oh, I was training Leia on how to be a Jedi, oh, and on yeah. her final yeah. night of training she said Oh, I have a vision of Kylo Ren going bad or something. So maybe don't train him as a Jedi. Oh, wait, you did. And then the beyond that and the the terrible de-aging effect sure. that I think is flat out bad for the both of them in that scene and also just the way they're fighting doesn't seem consistent with with just their phys- physicality in the original trilogy, right. but that's that's nitpicking at its finest. Um, but even further than that, he goes, oh, Leia knew you were a Palpatine. She was okay with training you beyond that. I'm like, how would she know that? <laughs> <laughs> how do any of you know this? I don't know. She did, the, uh, she did the antibody test where she checked to see if she had Palpatine antibodies. It's not as dependable, but it'll still tell you. It means that you were at least a Palpatine at one point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but now now the, the test tells her that she's a Skywalker. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I I've really also just had the image yeah. of uh, Broom Boy flying in on his broom yeah. in the Big Battle. <laughs> so there's that. I really uh, liked the that working been great, actually that people had come up with that Skywalker was the new sect of force users that Ray had started. Like sure. you are, mm. you, when she says like, you are a Skywalker, it's like you are like the new version of the new and improved version of the mm-hmm. Jedi. I think that sure. would have been neat. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, so, okay. So my rewriting of the final scene. Okay. <laughs> I'm, 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 they I'm do bored. all the, go ahead. All the all the pilots are they're all celebrating and Chewie punches the air kind of, and then and Ray, he gets his medal uh, because fan service. Yes, and he gets his medal because fan service. Ray, uh, so so the next scene, Ray goes into this old dilapidated shop and it's just barely hanging on, and she walks in and it's totally there's nobody there except this woman behind the counter, the clerk who's played by Kathleen Kennedy, <laughs> okay. and Ray goes up and they start talking. And Ray's haggling, and she she knows what she's looking for, and she's trying to get the woman to to sell her this thing. Maybe the woman doesn't take imperial credits or whatever. But Ray's haggling because it kind of is a throwback to the Uncar Plutt scene in Force Awakens, 
finally the they complete the transaction and the woman is like and Ray's just kind of look, looking around at the, the 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 shop and the woman goes what do you think uh i inherited it fixed it up myself and reopened it and then a piece of the ceiling falls down <laughs> and then uh again that was Kathleen Kennedy ray then ray goes to luke's house she buries the the lightsabers she goes into she like digs her way into the house and go over to, goes over to what once was his bed sets down the package from the store and she says well i guess you finally got your power converters luke and then the credits roll <laughs> end of star wars end of star wars oh <laughs> no God. more no, no, no. I, i'm going to i'm going to add on to that and make it even more dumb um, because then i would very much like if if like, I don't know. A full circle, I think, is a better word. <laughs> um, because I would Go very ahead. much like this to somehow result. Maybe Force Ghost Luke comes and picks up the power converters or what have you. Somehow this results in him <laughs> fitting them into a pod racer. Um, it's Anakin's old pod racer. <laughs> and then he puts on, puts on sunglasses and goes blasting off into the horizon. I think that's... Yes. And he and he flies past the woman's shop and then, like, the dust on the sign blows away and you see that it says in faded letters... Tashis. <laughs> I was, I was hoping, and also, were, I was hoping you were going to say it was Watto's shop from Phantom Menace. No, I was going to say also. No, the whole thing is a metaphor for Kathleen Kennedy messing up Star Wars. But I think we're, I think we're aware. Um, also, uh, George Lucas is riding shotgun. He's just there. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. I mean, they do give John Williams a cameo in this movie, so they're not above that. They do, they do. Lucas is like the hot babe in like an eighties movie, riding in the pod racer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Going. Hey, hey, are you? Uh, are you? He's like Margaret Qualley in a uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like standing on the corner, like eh, eh, eh. going my way. Eh, 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 no, no, eh. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. But what about I've these shorts? No, I've got it. Same exact scene that we have. Ray walks out. She turns on the lightsaber. It's George walking by with with the 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 the, <laughs> the giraffe creature, and 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 he goes, hmm. You know, we haven't seen anyone here in quite a few years. I remember a, a young a young man that was always here. He always he was always nice to me. And he goes, "What's your name?" And she goes, "I'm Ray. Who are you?" Um. Well, you know, I got a nickname. They call me a power converter. <laughs> and then it cuts. <laughs> I th- I think all no. that happens, and he goes, "Would you like to watch Howard the Duck?" <laughs> I have a hollow vid that I made. <laughs> oh, I like him. Uh, yeah, we should probably start wrapping up here. Yeah, probably. Um, F minus. Oh my god, I'm not surprised. Ah, Which I go. believe makes three F minuses for me. For the- Star Wars might be one of my lowest rated franchises. <laughs> yeah, probably. I did want to adjust my grades while you guys think it over. Okay. Um, I've decided, because I think I gave Solo an A and Last Jedi a B plus, And I want to bring them both into the A- minus level, if I've got okay. that correct. All right, so, so Last Jedi, you're moving from a B plus to a B-? minus. No, 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 to an A-. minus. I'm moving both to A-. minus. Oh, you're moving Last Jedi up. Yes, and Solo oh. down. Okay. Yes. Um... I follow your logic. Which leaves Empire, I think, as, as my highest rated at A. Um, I do think Solo or Last Jedi is probably what I would say is, like, 
one of those two would be my personal favorite. But uh, I've I've come around a bit on being that high on Solo and right denying my love of Last Jedi. So. <laughs> Alex, what are you doing? Um, I I, I got a, a little bit of a rant here. Um, oh god. Because I I don't hate J.J. Abrams, and once again, this is this feels no. much more like the studio like putting this on him and being yeah. like, "We're going to give you a ton of money to come back, and and you have two years. This has to come out at the end of 2019." And him going, "Well, what do I do? Uh, all right, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll try the and, and how many of these, can, but I feel and how like many of these bad ideas were actually his, you know? And like, I don't. This is the only movie of his that I flat out hate. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a defender of Star Trek Into Darkness. That movie is is a, a mess, but I, I I think it's a beautiful mess. And I ha- sure. there's a lot in that movie that I really like. Um, and Super 8 is one of my favorite movies, whether or not it's a Spielberg uh, ripoff, whatever you want to call it. Um, it is one of my favorite uh, movies. Homage. Um, but at the same time, Chris Terrio wrote this movie. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and I feel like he's one of those writers that should just – I think I said this about Christina Hodson in the last episode where it's just like they should just stay away from genre fiction. Just mm. give him another historical movie to do because he mm. won the Oscar for Argo. Um, and like this feels – Chris Terrio comes off to me like somebody – and just this is just based off – this and Batman vs Superman, like he's got like a million thoughts in his head at once, and he just has to get everything out on the page. But then he has no idea of how to connect the dots. Um, and I'm just basically this is me debating in my head whether or not to give this an F or an M, F minus. That's 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 what this this spiel mm-hmm. is because comparing it to Batman vs Superman, because I think. That's the only other like big blockbuster from the last several years where it's like. F minus worthy, um, but I don't feel like this movie is quite as mean spirited as that movie is. I feel like no, at the end of the day, this not. is still trying to be optimistic. Yes, Batman versus Superman feels like more of a vision to me. I mean, it does. I it, think I also gave that an F, <clears throat> F minus. I'd be shocked if I didn't. But yes, but that almost that almost makes it worse because then I sure. blame the artist and not the 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 cynical corporation that made the movie. You know sure. what I mean? Um, I don't know. I'll go F minus. Why not? Hey. <laughs> I think I think we've we've vented long enough. There are. Now, F- minus does not mean this movie is devoid of good things. There are good things in this movie. But I'm yeah. going with Tyler's criteria. You had all of these resources. You have all of these wonderful actors. You have, you have a very competent director here who is, is trying his best to make it flashy and exciting and move at a clip. And is just trying to entertain the audience. And it, none of it works. It's just yeah. a huge disaster. Yeah. F-. minus. My favorite movie um, is yeah. still the original Star Wars, and yes, I'm just calling it Star Wars and not sure. A New Hope, as you should. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I, I think J.J. Abrams gets a lot of unfair flack, yeah, because he has dared to make two of a few things, mm-hmm. and I think that he, I think he is a really talented like pop filmmaker. And pop filmmaking is totally substantial and legitimate and real filmmaking. And requires a lot of pe- work. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely it does. And I think he has a real knack for it. And I think that when he gets the time to like actually make his vision work, you get something like Force Awakens or Super 8 or Alias or, you know, the, the, all that kind of stuff. And I think that there's a lot of intervention here and a lot of meddling and a lot of pushing and a lot of like, you have to do it this way. Or you have to make sure this happens. And I, I think that people take people, – people hate on him too much because I think people take – pop filmmaking too seriously sometimes and it's like even star wars which is has the potential to be rich is still ultimately like it's escapist fantasy like it's okay it doesn't this doesn't y'all and i think that he i don't know i don't think there's anything wrong about being a pop filmmaker but he's not like agnes varda or something like it's (laughs) you know it, it, it don't hold them to an unfair standard and i think ryan johnson is more of like an art film not an art filmmaker but like more towards that uh, direction. He's more of an auteur, and, I think. Like he's he's got more. Yeah, auteur is a good yeah. word. Yeah, auteur is, is the right is a good word for that. And I think that this movie. So so I, I growing up in the '90s, like that was when Star Wars kind of had its big resurgence. And so I've lived my whole life with Star Wars in some capacity, and I realized yesterday thinking about this, Star Wars for me is something like I have seen so many stupid parodies and bad YouTube videos. And jokes and Family Guy episodes and the movies themselves and all of these different incarnations of Star Wars, I realized Star Wars is really malleable mm-hmm. to me. Like, you can do not literally anything with it, but it's like, eh, you. Star Wars is something that, like, it's just so big and existent. It's, it's like Batman or something. It's like, no matter how many silly things I see of Batman, it's not going to make me not take a good Batman thing seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And. As frustrated as I have been with some Star Wars things, it doesn't stop me from loving the Star Wars things I love. I mean, if The Last Airbender isn't going to stop me from loving Avatar or Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. then, you know, come on. Like, nothing bad stops you from liking something good. Right. But that said, this movie had all – they gave us all – we gave them all the clues, Mr. Police. <laughs> like, they had – everything and they i think just their mindset was so reactionary and it it will not stop me from enjoy, like i'm probably going to rewatch last jedi tonight like it's not going to stop me from enjoying these other movies but it is such a shame that they fumbled it so bad and endings are hard yeah but this fumbled it so bad so i'm, I'm gonna go flat f which i usually don't like to be that <laughs> go that far but it's just i i was gonna say if you give it an F and then you watch Last Jedi tonight, you're going to come back to us and be like, "Yeah, F minus." <laughs> uh, it, but it's just it, like, like you said, Tyler. It's a movie that like it. There, there, there was no reason it had to be this much of a misfire. Not only in a in a terms of content, but also in the terms of the making of the movie. It's so patchwork and yeah. rushed, two, and it just two follow up thoughts. Um, first of all. Uh, please compare and contrast your approach, Britain, to mine uh, having created the F minus grade in the second episode of this podcast. <laughs> just, <laughs> for Ridge of the Fallen, I just immediately yep. went for the. I went straight to the dark. Um, he went right for the jugular. <laughs> that too. Uh, <laughs> also, I, I do want to mention talking about like the auteur Ryan Johnson, J.J. Abrams thing. I think it bears mentioning and bears like focusing in on the fact that you will never get as creative and interesting a vision from a, from a director when they're given two hundred million dollars as you will if they're given fifty million. Like, 
Mm. Ryan Johnson, Knives Out, critically acclaimed, box office hit, sure. going to probably spawn a franchise. Um, even thinking like Peter Jackson, who got completely tanked yeah. for probably very similar circumstance for uh, the Hobbit movies in terms of being like rushed and having a horrible production. And I would like... compare this very much to the yeah. Hobbit trilogy. And he recently came out with a documentary that I think was like retouching or recoloring World War II. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they shall not they grow shall old. They shall not grow old. Yeah. Is that what it's yes. called? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like it's yeah. a critically acclaimed documentary that like these are people who probably really want to just do their creative things, but yeah. get taught. I mean, that you can't like turn down that kind of money if it's like, oh, hey, you know, you can try to like impose your vision on this massive franchise and. I think J.J. Abrams has more experience and probably should have been able to do something better than this, I would argue. But also, sure. uh, he's not he's not being a like visionary director at, at this point when he's managing this much. He's he's being like a, a, a GM of an NFL team. <laughs> like he's he's managing. <laughs> yeah. He's not. Yeah. So I, I I know the the intention and the same with like Kathleen Kennedy. And I think the intention or the, the idea that people get when they see movies like this and then they see the names right after the credits and they're like, that's who I blame. <laughs> um, that comes right. up a, a lot on right. the internet. It came up with Ryan Johnson. It's come up many other times. Um, but I think that it's important to note that ultimately this is the product of a studio. It's a product of a big studio with yes. a lot of money. Yes. Uh, we don't really actually have any malice towards anybody involved on a personal level. Um, no, we just think it's a bad movie. <laughs> I think that's yeah, and to, I, and, and I to think, step yeah, off our I, last yeah. Star Wars movie, hopefully for a while. I, I think that's what I would like the message to be. And I think a lot of people misunderstand when they watch a movie and they see the word writer. They yeah. go, oh, that's the person who had the bad ideas. They don't realize that very often a producer comes in and says, hey, we want – raise a Palpatine mm-hmm. now. Ma- write it. Right. You make it work. And like – so sometimes, and again, I don't know who had what ideas at what meeting or any of that stuff, but it's like, sometimes it's very clear if you don't like a Quentin Tarantino movie, you're like, oh, it's because of Tarantino. Right. <laughs> like, he, he, he has his full reign. But when you watch this movie, and like, I, I obviously drag Kathleen Kennedy, and I apologize for that. I mean, this is, like you there's said, there's probably this is the work some of, fairness there, but. With the way she's so, handled right, directors but, but not coming on board and then dismissing them over creative differences, I think she's had some issues sure. handling this. Sure. Especially, there's a sure. quote from her when she says, you know, when I started working on Star Wars, my my methodology was to not treat it any differently, any, any different from how I would handle any other big movie right. franchise. And I think that's yeah. immediately just like... Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, yeah. I, I say, <laughs> oh, hey, it's not, you know, let's not pile on to Kathleen Kennedy. Not because I think she hasn't made mistakes, but just because she's a person and we have no idea what she's like as a person like she's just trying to do a job that's supposed to make a lot of money for a very big studio that has a lot of pressure on her yeah so and i don't get the sense from anyone who makes these movies that like oh we hate star wars like from everyone i get the sense of we just want to make good movies i yeah, yeah there is no at least from what we've seen so far and maybe down the line this will come out more um but so far it does not seem like the reaction from creatives who have worked under Lucasfilm under the Disney era. It has not been the reaction of like the DCU, the early DCU. <laughs> sure. Brothers, like, like we just talked about last episode, we're, we're not getting that kind of pushback. Yeah. It seems like they just yeah. were in over their head and didn't really know where they were going with things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess I, I said really just to be like a, a lot, this was probably just a room where a, there are a lot of voices 
and it needed to be a little more focused yeah. and a little more right. a little more singular. And I mean, which is what happens with the last two movies. And, you know? and I mean, everybody points to the oh, they didn't have a plan. That's why it didn't work. And I don't think that's yeah. necessarily true. I think if you had had the right people on board and maybe stopped with the the studio meddling, that would be fine. But when it is this high pressure and there are this many people involved, that's when you need a plan. You yeah. need to have something yeah. to work with from the get-go. You can't just wing it yeah. every movie right. if you're going to have so many people, so many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Right. Especially when a lot of those cooks are not actual chefs they're just the people who give you the money to buy the ingredients <laughs> they're, they're the business people they're they're the, they're the suits they're, they're, they're the restaurant the... owners yeah yeah uh yeah i i do want to i'll i'll try and be a little little uh optimistic here at the end I'll, I'll try and give everybody a little little nice nice way to think about this because one of the the interesting criticisms that people lobbed at last jedi and tyler hinted at this is that that movie in many ways, feels like the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, the way it leaves off. It's like, thematically, everything's pretty well tied up. I mean, we haven't actually defeated the First Order, but things are pretty pretty well tied yeah. off. I I can easily see where this goes in the next movie. Um, so, if you want to be a person like me, who's constantly just retconning things and having headcanon, um, this movie doesn't exist. Last Jedi is the end of Star Wars. So uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. You can find us and online. And that on... probably, yeah. I was going to say, that's the end of our episode. <laughs> you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and on the other place soundcloud that's not the thing i normally say itunes that's the thing um and then also you can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com i never get all of this it's fine uh just kind of like type us into the internet and we'll it'll, it'll happen <laughs> um yeah jack into the mainframe yeah uh and this was our guys happy 200th episode this was great we did a big 200 um oh guys uh we may have a problem. What's um, that, Alex? I, what, what's that, Alex? What could it be? I, I was looking at um, my nice nifty score sheet here, and you know, I'm looking at, at Rise of Skywalker, and it says number two hundred. Um, turns out it's a coffee stain that made it look like two hundred. I don't know how that works. Oh no. Um, this well, was still episode, the two hundred, right? Uh, two hundred minus one. Uh, this is, this is episode 199, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming. No, wait, so, that's, that's horrible, because we, we promised all our fans that the big 200th episode is yeah. gonna be talking about Star Wars. Yeah, uh... Yeah, oh, geez, this is gonna be a big space adventure. Where are we gonna find a franchise about a young boy who gets stranded on a desert planet... And then has to learn the ways of an ancient religion to lead a rebellion against a corrupt political system. I was asked uh, by George uh, to uh, come up to see him and talk to him about directing, which would, would be the third Star Wars. And I had next door to zero interest and he, he talked with me for a little bit, and then he said, I want to show you something. Now, right about in this time, 
I started getting a little bit of a headache, and he showed me these things called Wookies. Then I got a really, uh, an almost like a migraine, and um, so George, bless his heart, I told him on the phone the next day that he should direct it. It's his film. He invented everything about it, but he doesn't really love directing, and so someone else did direct that film. I'd never even heard of the book, uh, and Dino uh, called me and said, do you know about this book? And I said, uh, no, I never heard of it. And I thought he said June instead of Dune. Dino uh, somehow, in, in Dino's mind, put um, the Elephant Man together with, with Dune. And um, he called me and uh, asked me if I would read this book. I wasn't a hundred percent. I I don't know quite how that happened. That's my one, uh, in my mind, uh, big failure. And um, but I learned a tremendous amount on that film. Um, but it was a nightmare. And. It was a nightmare. For some reason. I thought, well, everything will be okay. And I signed the contract. And everything wasn't okay. So it was a, a terrible thing. And as I always say, um, the film was not a success. And uh, so I died the death in that regard. And then I felt I had sold out, so I died twice. Dino taught me how to cook uh, rigatoni. It wouldn't be fair to say it was a total nightmare, but maybe 75% nightmare. When you don't have final cut, total creative freedom, you stand to die the death. Die the death. And died I did so that's the big lesson don't make a film if it can't be the film you want to make it's a joke and and a sick joke and it'll kill you I mean I'm Alex <laughs> <laughs>